You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Cast, your ultimate answer for fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about the second season of Black Lightning. Before we do that, let's meet our guests for this week. First up, uh, you know him as our resident Jeffrey Wright impersonator. He is coming to us from the Satellite of Love, where he's been stuck for the last 20 years, and that is my buddy and yours, Mike Nelson. How are you doing, Mike? I'm feeling good. That was a good intro. I like all of that. Well, it's all true. It is true. I I just need to get the cosplay together, and uh, my laziness is what's stopping me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, which one? Uh, procrastination. No, I mean, uh, which are you going to do, Jeffrey Wright or uh, Mike Nelson and the bots? Jeffrey Wright. It, like, it would be, it's easy for me to do Jeffrey Wright, but the problem is, like, I don't really know how to do a suit. Or how to get his clothes? Like I, I, I need someone with me who has better taste than me. Because I just, I just wear T-shirts with funny designs on them, and I'm done. Right. No, no, I totally understand. Before I got married, I was pretty much the same way. I still have drawer upon drawer of, of just T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what's been going on for you since uh, last week? Well, I got NashiCon, an anime convention, coming up the weekend as of this recording. And tonight... I had to get my camera and my equipment prepped up and ready to go so I could do that. I'm a staff member, so I'm not going to get any sleep. This is probably the last free night that I have, and I'm spending it with you. Oh, well, that's appreciated. No problem. After you definitely bum-rushed me with staying and told me to binge a season in like a week. <laughs> well, to be fair, it's a short season, right? It's 16 episodes, not 22. Didn't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> So, Mike, as someone who's going to um, anime con, what are the kids watching these days? Because I used to be heavy into anime, but for me, like, late 90s anime, I'm, like, really up on and a little bit of, like, 2000s. I have not been part of the anime scene at all in the last decade. Well, Nathan, what the kids are into today is astonishing. <laughs> <laughs> Full Metal Alchemist is still a thing. Sword Art Online is apparently still a thing. Well, so we got My Hero Academia. That is, that's the thing. There are multiple photo shoots uh, planned in the schedule for this thing. Okay, so what is that one about? That's a name I've heard, but I have no idea what it's even about. So My Hero Academia is about, uh, is about the, the world has superpowers, and they call them quirks. Everybody's born with it. This one kid, he he aspires to be a hero, like his all-time favorite hero, All Might. And reluctantly, they actually meet each other. All Might is actually dying. He he got injured in a battle that took out his number one nemesis, and it was bad. Uh, he basically crippled, so he gives the power to the kid. The problem is the power is called All for One, and All for One is super strong. The kid cannot use 
only but 1% of the sh- of the power. That's all he's given is 1%. And even using 1%, he breaks his bones, he hurts himself, but he does a pretty damn good job. And they actually go to a school that is designed to to help the next heroes. It's superheroes in school, and that's basically the story. Oh, that's pretty cool. One of these days, I'll uh, I'll give it a try. <laughs> yeah, it's this is actually getting more notoriety than DC and Marvel. It, I mean, kids are kids are like, this is the new superhero because it's relatable. It's it's understanding, and I mean, it teaches some pretty uh, some pretty decent lessons about acceptance, and it's a really good anime and even a manga. Okay, yeah. See, my wife and I have just started getting back into anime. We're still back in like the early two thousands and nineties. We're watching shows that we just kind of put on the back burner. So I'm like, at some point, we have to like move on to like modern time. I'll give Crunchyroll that. It's they know exactly what's the in. <laughs> I mean, that's that's all I really know, because I, even I'm stuck in my ways. I just rewatched Geos for like the umpteenth thousandth time. So it's like, yeah, this is my jam. Politics and robots. No, I know. I'm a huge Gundam fan, and I watch the Gundam stuff a lot and uh, stuff like that. So, yeah, I've still got a few shows that I want my wife to see that she hasn't seen. We're kind of getting to the end of, like, the anime where we're like, yeah, we got to watch this, we got to watch that. We, we have kept up when, like, something new's been released. We watched Sailor Moon Crystal, and when um, they released the new season of Slayers, because Slayers was an anime we watched, you know, we watched that. And we're getting the new Cardcaptor Sakura as it comes out, you know, that are coming back, you know. So that's a little bit different than something new. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, but it's uh, it's good to have you back on, Mike. It's good to be back. We have our very own uh, Duke of Drinking, the Viceroy of Video Games, and that is James Rowe. How are you doing, James? <laughs> You're on a roll for the intros tonight. I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I prepared this time. No, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Good. What are we drinking today? Uh, you know, so I tried to do research to find out what is it that our hero drinks, uh, which come to find out, it's called Old and Rare Blended Scotch Whiskey. It's not an actual whiskey that exists, which I was like, Dang it! <laughs> but um, I the the best uh, that I could find out about it is that it's a blended whiskey, uh, blended Scotch whiskey. So that's what I'm drinking tonight. It's just a blended Scotch whiskey. It's the same thing uh, I drink. Uh, last podcast i think i did with you okay uh, so i have no description on it still i figure it out uh, okay so, so i gotta ask now because you just raised more questions than you answered how do you research what jefferson pierce drinks <laughs> uh so quite easily uh all i did is i went I, I typed a google search i was like there's a number of scenes we see throughout both season one and season two where it's like they had a day and somebody comes in and they just like they grab a bottle and it's like that's brown like a whiskey um and they start drinking so i just typed in black lightning drink <laughs> so uh of course i got an assortment of different like mixed drinks that are out there that apparently people have tried to create i don't think they're at all towards the super I think it's just something a bartender made. Uh, But I somehow came across the Black Lightning Wiki uh, for fandom. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it it actually gives, like, a bunch of description to it. The whiskey has a color characteristic for blended scotch. It's denoted as old and rare brand. Jefferson Pierce enjoyed a glass of old and rare while sitting at his computer as part of the history, which I was like, well, that's innocuous, but I'm glad somebody paid attention. Uh, Wow, so this is actually documented. Somebody was, like, zooming in on the whiskey 
genie bottle, read the you know what it said on it, and and put it on the wiki. Yeah, on the wiki, <laughs> like there's a screenshot, and it is it's like zipped into like the bottle and his hand next to the glass, and it's a like uh, the first documentation of it was in season one in the episode Lawanda, the Book of Hope. It was, man, they got real specific for just a whiskey. <laughs> I just have a feeling, James, if you ever met the guy who made that wiki entry, you'd be like senpai. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is really cool. I thought you were going to tell me that it's some, like, whiskey that was made from a uh, ground where lightning struck it, and, you know, it's, it gets its, it's, it's a flavor or something. It's like there's a behind-the-scenes <laughs> description. So it says, in real life, the brand, most, uh, the brand most close to this description seen in Lawanda, the Book of Hope, which I was like, how much were you able to read on that bottle label? Because I couldn't read anything. Somebody has, like, they're, like, magnifying, like, you know, like, taking the section of the screen and just stretching it out and, like, doing, like, enhancements with, you know, visual. In the technology and, like, procedural crime movies shows that, no, I'm able to zoom in and enhance and see exactly everything. I'm like, somebody's got a job somewhere else that they should be doing if they're finding this uh but it says it's uh the closest is a whiskey that i i've been find it it's called uskobach old rare superior blended scotch whiskey which is made from 41 different whiskeys with a rather high proportion of malt whiskey in its core i read that and i was like the best i have is like it's blended with like three i think so i'm just gonna <laughs> it's like a whiskey you have to like put your entire salary down on to get <laughs> i always love how you can educate us about whiskey we should almost have like the whiskey segment. <laughs> see i'm i tend to learn a lot about whiskey i've got a buddy who his thing is beer so we can talk for hours about nothing but booze and it's wild and all of our friends kind of hate being around us because they don't care they're just like can i drink it does it taste good <laughs> Right. Well, to answer that. <laughs> well, yeah, Mike, I don't think you've been on when James has talked before about how he does exactly that. Like when he's at the store and people like ask him questions and he'll be like, well, do you like a PD flavor? Do you not like, you know, it's like it's like you have to go down like the Venn diagram or not the Venn diagram, the uh, the, the decision chart. I know. I, I, I once had a person go, I'm looking for something that'll get me drunk. And I was like, literally, whatever you want on the shelf, my friend, like that will accomplish that. <laughs> I know. I was like, if you're just going for price, like just go buy that bottom shelf one. That's going to taste like turpentine when it goes down. Like just do that. You'll be fine. <laughs> uh, so what's been on you, James? Not a lot. Not a lot. Um, I'm actually kind of gearing up, uh, hopefully getting in touch with a friend of mine. Cause now that he has uh, a better communication method, he, 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 I've introduced him to discord, which is, um, it's an app that is used for like gaming, uh, especially yep. like PC gaming, and it's it's incredibly useful. Um, not just for like the voice chat function uh, that this this software has. A, it's free, which is fantastic. Um, it does have a subscription service, additional features, uh, but it's really easy to set up. And even if you don't have a voice uh, uh, or you can't use the voice chat system, it does have just a general like uh, text chat system, which is really great. Uh, and what's nice is it's usable on both like PC and on like. Mobile 
mobile apps. Um, so it gives us a lot of variety. Um, so I'm looking at hopefully being able to use that because he just doesn't have access to a computer. So he doesn't have Skype or anything to podcast with. Um, so I'm looking to hopefully do a little experimentation with Discord to use it for recording purposes um, and uh, and hopefully get back into the realm of uh, my own podcasting because uh, I really kind of miss it. Uh, you you, you re- re- rekindled the fire for me the last time we podcasted. I was just like, God, I miss doing that. Uh, so uh, hopefully get back to that, uh, especially after like uh, we, we talked, I had kind of mentioned like I've been playing The Division 2, which is a great game. Uh, I really I really like it. Um, what I would like more is if on PS4 uh, rendering issues weren't as bad as they are because I'll spend time running and there'll be a sign somewhere and it just takes like a solid like five minutes for it to finally like detail generate what the pixels are supposed to be. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a little it's a little disconcerting and part of me is just like, God, do I need a solid state drive now? I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. I upgraded to solid state drive. two drives and they're both solid state. It, it's lightning fast, I'll tell you. Oh, man, that's what I've heard. And so I'm like, if this helps things render quicker, this would be great. Um, and then recently, I got real excited because uh, Gearbox, uh, which is a big publishing company as well as development company, finally just announced uh, their big Borderlands 3 release. Um, so a lot of people who are fans of the Borderlands franchise, it's a loot shooter franchise. It's not the big open, massive multiplayer world that like the division is a little more uh, synchronous uh, to... You can hop on with a few friends. Uh, they can join you. Um, but you can very much easily, like, solo things on your own through the game if you want. And it, it's like it's like Diablo with... So there's just, like, tons and tons of varieties of different guns with different abilities. So it's always been a fun franchise. Like, I've enjoyed the, the all of the games in the series so far. And so really looking forward to that. And that's coming out, uh, rumor has it, here in September. So I got I to gotta get things rolling to talk all about it. It's good to have you back on, James. You bet. So we don't, uh, sadly, have a third person on today joe was gonna be on and i'm really disappointed because i came up with an awesome intro for him uh he can't join us hopefully i won't forget by the next time he's on now you know what time it is it's time for our five minute controversy and five minute controversy is just a way for us to unwind before we get into our main topic uh lets you know how we stand on something that gives you a little a little insight into something that um, you know, isn't the topic and how we think about it. So um, this week I wanted to talk about um, the trailer for Joker, uh, which is the new DC movie that's coming in October. And that trailer just dropped as of this recording. Now I've already seen on my Facebook feed that the internet is already really divided on this one. Um, so Mike, why don't you start us off? How did you feel about the trailer? So I was skeptical at first because, again, coming from Marvel, the mo- the, the trailer was great. I love the trailer. I can't wait for the movie. I want the movie. I was skeptical because I didn't really want it. And I absolutely love him as an actor. He's one of my favorites. I loved him in her. And hearing that he was going to do this movie, it's like, uh, okay. I mean, you're not going to be Heath Ledger, but it's like, that's cool. And that's just me being sassy at that point. But yeah, it's the trailer changed my mind completely. I want this movie and I'm, I'm going to be there day one. What, what about it changed your mind? Honestly, the direction. I knew it was going to be more of a serious movie and I knew it wasn't going to be the comic cast. It, they took away the comic book aspect of it, but it was still something that was was really unique and with the watching the trailer like oh well okay he seems kind of a little cray cray it's you know okay that's expected i guess but just seeing a transformation of him turning into the joker just from the just from the trailer 
brought the story of what was going on. I'm like, it was just a different take on it. And even when my friends actually asked, it's like, this is humanizing Joker way too much. It's like, well, we've had those stories before. I mean, he had a kid, like, blah, 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 blah. I mean, the Red Hood story was basically as humanizing as humanizing can get. As soon as it really just watching it, it's like you, once again, Joaquin Phoenix knows how to put pain on the face. He knows pain. And he does it so well that I'm in. So, James, uh, did you also uh, feel like that the uh, the trailer uh, made you want to watch Oh, it's so hard to say. <laughs> Because I'd been putting it off, and then, like, literally just before we did this podcast, I watched it. So I'm still a little bit of processing. I mean, I I, I was in the definitely when they were like, a Joker movie. And I was like, why? Why is that necessary? Why is it necessary? I don't understand why we're doing this. The thing is, is, like, for, for the longest time for the DC universe, like, I am not a fan of Man Steel. I'm not a fan of Man versus Superman. I feel like the whole, like, for me with those movies, like, the problem for me was, like, the whole DC grim dark, like, everything serious and dark universe. Uh, I was like, no, like, have you guys never watched an animated movie in the series? Because they're not that dark. Like, maybe a handful, but, like, not many of them. And so, like, even, like, reading the comics, there can be some dark themes, but it's just not, like, all the time. So it was one of those where, uh, like, I was just like, I don't know. Like, I've been I've been very divided with DC. So, like, I've seen Aquaman and I've seen Wonder Woman and both were really, like, I thought they were good movies. Wonder Woman was phenomenally done. Um, Aquaman was, like, it was light and it was fun. And I feel like they did a good thing with uh, what they did with Jason Moe his per, uh, in the way he portrayed the character. I thought the visuals of the movie like was a total like 180 it was like no it's all bright and shiny and i was like okay so we'll just go the polar opposite after watching this trailer it makes sense that's okay it is like it's one of those where for the story of the joker kind of more of a grit like what mike was saying like a darker kind of tone to the story a more grim dark look on the world he's in i think that's going to be appropriate i'm like god finally like you guys figured it out villains grim dark serious heroes bright happy we save the day like they, they finally got the formula between the two well and i wouldn't even say it's that cut and dry because some heroes i think work well in that sort of grim you know arena also, it's that you got to pick it, right? You can't just be all grim dark all the time. So it's one of those, like, I think after seeing that in the trailer, I would be more apt to see it. Am I going to be day one at the door of the theater? Probably not. There's a good chance, unless a friend convinces me to go see this at the theater, I'll probably just wait for it to come out on DVD, or I'll wait until like there's like a really cheap matinee for it or something um, after like in, like a month or something, and, and then go catch it. But uh, it's just not one that I think I'm going to invest a lot of my time into, unless suddenly like critic reviews and friend reviews I f I hear like no no like this you got to see it. it's a totally different movie it's really great and I'll be like oh okay maybe I'll see it then. Hey, there's a whiskey. <laughs> That's true. There is a whiskey in it, and somebody on that wiki will find out exactly what it is. <laughs> For me, um, the one thing that I think that DC is being smart on is that DC saying, hey, we can tell some stories that don't have to be connected into the main narrative that we're doing and we can also do some lower budget movies like i've been saying for a long time that every marvel movie doesn't have to be a blockbuster could do some movies for the more street level characters and it won't be a you know 120 million dollar picture maybe it'll only be like a 40 or 60 million dollar movie but they'll still make their money people will still go to see it but you don't have to have a universe spanning story in it um so that's what this looks like i mean joker i mean doesn't look like it's going to be like a huge um, you know, expensive movie to make. 
from that standpoint, I think the DC is doing some smart stuff. Um, and I think, like you said, James, they're figuring out that, you know, hey, maybe different tones for different characters. For me, as I watched the trailer, I felt like I've seen all these cliches before. You know, so I, I feel like other than the fact that the guy is going to put on, like, clown makeup and go and commit crimes, eh... Uh... I don't know. It just didn't really move me in any significant way. And it was just like, uh, you know, and maybe all the elements come together in a way that's unique and fresh and it's going to be amazing. But right now I'm just kind of looking at it going, I've seen this story before. So why do I need to watch it now? Uh, there was a meme I saw before we started. It said uh, Joker and teen 89, I guess. Joker created by by acid vat. Joker 2019 by society. I was like, huh, that that wrong a little bit because <laughs> my because my thing was the fact that in my eyes, Joker is bat. It's like who like who came first, chicken or the egg? Who came first, Batman or Joker? You know, it, it just seemed like in, and for this this imagination of this character, it was society that created him. OK. I can, it's interesting, I can definitely believe that. I mean, I, I get it, but I'm also of the opinion that I don't need to know the origin for the Joker. I've always liked the idea better that the Joker is a complete mystery. Agreed. No more of the Ledger version of, you know, he tells everybody like a million different stories, but you never know if any of them have any, have any truth to them. Um, so again, I feel like even like the idea of an origin movie for the Joker is kind of like, you've made him too ordinary by doing that. And you've got to pick, you know, like a reason for him becoming the person that he becomes. And then I think he becomes a lot less interesting once you've done that. Because then he's just any other criminal except that he puts clown makeup on. So I, I feel like it, I feel like a Joker movie is completely unnecessary. And I didn't see anything from this movie that made me go, yes, from the trailer that made me go, yes, I must see this movie. Um, but, and like James said, maybe everyone's going to rave about it. Everybody's going to be like, this is the best movie ever. And then I will, you know, say, okay, you know, now this is, you know, maybe something I should see in the theater, but I have a feeling this is going to be a Netflix watch. I mean, if anything could motivate me maybe to want to see it, it's that very brief clip where he gets like Joaquin Phoenix is known for being, uh, you know, just a little method, just like a little bit. Um, <laughs> and, and he gets hit in the face with a sign and clearly like hit in the nuts. So I'm like, this Joaquin phoenix like that because if they did i might watch it <laughs> i don't know whether to be insulted or yay <laughs> <laughs> i'm still a little bitter about his like weird publicity stunt he did for the, like the movie where he was like i'm like a like this like kind of like rapper kind of thing where it was like a year of him just promoting the movie being in character so like i couldn't figure out if it was like nope that's where he's just gone now or it was fake i couldn't figure it out so i'm just a little upset about it so i just a little bit of payback <laughs> that's all i'm after <laughs> I respect that. All right. Well, it looks like we're pretty well divided on this. Um, I, I'm not really keen on this at all. Mike's really gung-ho, and James is kind of in the middle. So Yeah! It, <laughs> it's interesting to see uh, what happens in October. But I still think, from a, from DC's standpoint, I think that this is a, a great idea. And I'm hoping to see a lot more diversity in you know, they present to us because I think that is the, you know, there's a lot of good for Marvel doing the, it's all connected, but there's also the downside of that means that they can't do really oddball stuff because it all has to share the same universe. I get that Guardians is kind of on the far end of that, but it still has to be grounded enough for 
it to, you know, for them to come together in the Avengers movies. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens, um, you know, as, as both franchises move forward. All right, so that's the end of this five-minute controversy. Uh, but before we start talking about Black Lightning, let's pause for a moment for this promo from another fine podcast. We are the Cigar Nerds, bringing nerdy sophistication and geeky indulgence on all topics, including movies, video games, science, and pop culture news, all from the Nerd Cave Cigar Lounge. Find us on iTunes, Stitchers, Google Play, and wherever fine podcasts are found, including ESOnetwork.com and CigarNerdPodcast.com. So fire up a cigar. It's time to get nerdy. And we're back. And uh, like we talked about at the top of the show, we're going to talk about Black Lightning Season 2. When we talked about the first season, we talked about how the show was you know really strong and i think the second season carried on with that but the thing that i want to talk about starting off before we talk about any other characters before we talk about how we felt overall about the season or any of that is my wife asked me an interesting question as we were watching the show it's towards the end of the season she looked at me and she said who do you think is the scarier villain wilson fisk or Tobias Whale. And I was like, that's a really interesting question. Because they're both kind of operating in the same relative space, right? They're both mob bosses. They're both big, powerful, imposing figures. And Fisk has, like, some lines. And Whale is this much scarier character because he does not have any. He has a line. He has a line. Oh, fine. He don't touch nobody's mama. <laughs> I've forgotten that. I, I don't know that I believe him, though. I know he said that. I'm going to go with the man's <laughs> word. That's all I got to. So James, Wilson Fisk or Tobias Whale? Oh, man. This could have been our five-minute controversy, too. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So ah, that's such a good question because they're Thanks, both... Guys. They're both characters, yeah, seriously. Like, they're both characters that are really well-written villains for both of their respective properties. Like, what Netflix did with Daredevil and Fisk, I absolutely love the right actor, did the writing right. And Tobias is, like, in that, he is, he's, like, in the same strain of things where they've done so good with the writing, they found a great actor to portray the character. Like, Oh, it's so hard to compare the two because they're they're on a really even playing field in many ways where um, like Tobias is generally like pretty well reserved, like he knows who he is, and what he wants. And when people mess up, they pay the penalty. And Fisk is the same way. Like, this is my business. This is how I work. When you mess up, you've got to pay the penalty, which is usually like a brutal dooring or a harpoon through the chest. <laughs> oh, the harpoon gun. Oh God. So, and, and that's the thing is like in, and what I think I love about that aspect of Tobias whale is the fact like his name is Tobias whale. And he uses a harpoon gun. And I was like, how is that not super poetic? Like, how could you not love that? The first time they ever showed a scene where he used it, I was just like, I get it. That's magic. I love it. 
I've had more exposure, I think, to Tobias. I've had a lot more time in terms of like time in a series to really get to know him. Um, I still I still haven't caught up on the most recent season of Daredevil. That's really all I have to play off of. I think honestly, like I, I really like Tobias Whale. Um, I really like him, I think, a little bit more, just a little bit more um, than Fisk purely on that basis, just because I've had more time to understand the character. And like we see like this interesting mad slippage. Um, you're not sure if he's actually crazy a little bit or if he's just like I don't know, unique. I don't know. It's really hard to tell in some ways uh, because he's still like very collected. So uh, I, I really, I just really enjoy her portrays the character. Yeah, because like when he's talking to the painting of his sister, it gets like really weird, and you know, it's like, and everybody's like, "This is really messed up." It's weird for us. And it's weird for else who's around him. Like every time there's another character in the room and they come in and he's like talking to the painting of his sister, they have the same look on their face that we, the audience have. Where we're like, what is happening right now? Yeah. So that's the thing. But you never know if that's just something that he does. You know, some people, you know, talk to gravestone or whatever, you know, so it might not be as weird as we think it is, but then he sometimes acts like she's talking back. And so it gets a little, it's like, I mean, is he crazy? I mean, heck, we have a guy who actually does talk to dead people in this show and has them tattooed on him. So, Mike, what about you? How would you answer that question? Well, Tobias is a worse villain because he's racist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Like, if if it wasn't for the the thick black lips comments, I'm like, oh my god, what are you doing? Who allowed this to be written? Who okayed this script? But on a power level scale, like they're they're definitely equal. Tobias, from look at the show, he needs to be this badass in the comic, and if he's not, then the writers in the comics need to take some cues. Well, I think the idea is because Tobias is an albino, does kind of have some self hatred for his own race. You know, I, there is just like last year when we talked about this. I relate to Tobias. I, I on that on that small, very small level of not one to offend, offend people. I, res, I I understand where he's coming from. But yeah, Tobias and, and Kingpin just if they ever met each other. Goodbye, Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Black Lightning, you, you guys are done. I don't know. See, the thing that I keep coming back to is that Fisk never rips someone's spine out. God, he does do that. Oh, it's so brutal. I was, I was messaging Nathan when it happened. He was like, hey, what episode are you want? I'm like, oh, yeah, I got six more episodes left. Spine rips out. Oh, Nathan, I'm about to puke. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that is horrific in how it's presented. I mean, you're left, like, watching it going, like, wait, what, really? So you know he's going to mess up Khalil, but I didn't believe for a second he was going to rip out the dude's spine. Well, and it's a moment we've seen all the other CW shows, and, like, I just didn't expect that out of a CW show. It's just like, wait, what? Right. It, 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 we went into Netflix territory. <laughs> I know Fisk pushed a dude's head into the car door, but I don't know. Ripping the spine out just seems a lot more scary. And I think it's the fact that... That Fisk, at least, I was going to say Fisk is a little more controlled, but <laughs> maybe by a fraction, but yeah, not not really significantly, so I could use that one. But it, Whale is so scary, and, and he, he does such a great job with it. And so, yeah, I, I feel like we have a Netflix level of acting in this show, and it's so weird that it's on the CW. Because, I mean, we're used to being, like, all about, like, you know, relationship woes and, you know, even when it's superhero stuff, it's all about, like, who likes who and, you know, what zany antics are people getting into. And we have 
Black Lightning. We have people's spines getting ripped out. Yeah, well, because, like, I mean, it's like you even reach out to a show like Supernatural. And, like, Supernatural never seems to ever get, like, that kind of, <laughs> kind no. of graphic level. It's like, nope, one of them died. One of them went to hell, saved him, came back, and, and they just resurrected again. Like, and, like, it's like, no, Dean was blown into smithereens, and we watched it in all of its gory detail. That never happens. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've got to give them credit only for the writing, but the acting there, because he, Whale, is amazing. Um, and and, and all, the, all the right ways that you want a villain to be wrong. I, I thought that that was, was really good. I'll tell you what else, though, um, it kind of surprised me this season. They killed off a lot of characters from the first season, like, right off the bat. I didn't think we were going to see Cyanide just buy it in the first episode. That was just, like, really crazy. What's your face? Um, the vice principal, uh, yeah, Kara Foudy. You know, she bought it, like, a couple episodes in. And it was like, whoa, these were these were main characters. The sense of principle didn't really even like add anything to the story. Like she could have died off screen and everything would have just been fine. Yeah, I feel like they were just like, well, she worked last season when we were having serious ASA stuff going on. But now that the ASA is becoming less like in the background and more in the foreground, we don't need her. So just write her out. You know, Cyanide, I don't know what the deal was with Cyanide because Will replaces her with um, uh, Cutter. Cutter. Cutter, thank you. Yeah. It really wasn't described that she was a meta, but, I mean, she basically was. It was low-level telekinesis, right. as Gamby put it. Right. So so I feel like the role was the same role, more or less, but I guess for whatever reason, either the actress wanted to leave or they wanted to get rid of her. So they, that cyanide just dies, like, right off the bat. I was like, whoa. James, were you kind of surprised by that, too? I was. I was, like, really thrown off. Because <laughs> it does. It happened. Like, the fight? really well choreographed and that's where i was initially like i'm watching that fight god this is some good choreography they did really well with like the way they shot it like this is probably one of the more actionable scenes that they've done and then yeah suddenly it's just like sing dead and i was like wait whoa wait back up a second um and then like i spent half the season going it's okay like that that's a tobias thing he just brings people back to life we've seen this now (laughs) and it just never happened and i was like so so she dead She's like dead, dead now. Okay, well, that's a little disappointing. Because <laughs> I really like Cyanide. I mean, that was the thing. She was so cool. And like when she fought Thunder last season, and she like clued right into the fact that she had to hold her breath. Yeah. And like started like attacking her in ways so she would lose her. You know, she'd have to breathe. And it was like, oh man, you know, like I wanted to see that, you know. And but oh well. I mean, it's not it's not a huge deal, but it was something that kind of surprised me. Uh, as we went into it. The one thing that I really like that they changed in this season is that they've done something that none of the other shows have. Because what we have metas in the other Berlanti shows, we've never treated it like what would happen in the real world if there were metahumans. That if there were really metahumans, the governments of the world would start being like, hey, we need you, you know, and start pulling them in. You know, like in The Flash, like all these metas exist, but they all get to act independently, right? You know, like they, they just do their own thing and run wild. And you never hear this country wants these metas for these, you know, powers that they can use, you know, and or, you know, the American government wants them to use as agents or whatever. I feel like he used meta powers and, and like just like the sort of societal ramifications of having meta powers in a much better and much more mature way than we've seen in any of the Berlanti shows. I think that's uh, fair. That is very fair. I and I think it's because of the story being present. It 
not it's not even really being snide about it. It's this is a black hero. And with the Flash and with Arrow, these are it is a made up town. It this is still more this is much closer to the reality of the real world than Arrow or Flash really bring because of how honestly how whimsical they all are. And it's and that's completely fine. But when you come in with black light black it has a precedence. And it's a precedence that cannot be ignored. And you're going to tell black stories with a black hero, you're gonna have to go really realistic and really deep. And luckily the show for second season in a row has done that. And what was it? What was that guy, Kate Boy or something like that? The the dude, Kate Boy. Yeah, Kate Boy. Kate Boy. Yeah, that that was the guy that was you know he 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 took the green light and he thought he was a hero and he just had that really ridiculous costume on. You know, I mean, there's some obvious societal commentary, you know, going on there, and you know they just sort of put the tinge of oh yeah, it's this this drug that gives people superpowers was involved as part of it, but you know, it wasn't a threat at all. Um, you know, unlike some of the other people we've seen with green light that like just la you know, have, you know, horrible, um, you know, anger issues that they're taking out on people. And, uh, I'm still amazed that this show is as mature as it is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just like, it's on the CW. <laughs> I even don't hate the Khalil, you know, uh, Jennifer, uh, you know, really, you know? how dare they redeem him? <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I had so much mixed feelings, so much when that was going down. Because I just wanted, to, I just wanted to hate the brother. Just let me hate the brother. But no, whole redemption. The the book was rebellion. How dare you? At first, I didn't, I didn't buy it because I was just like, this, this kid chose, you know, the life that he chose. But at the same time, it was kind of like, all right, I can kind of see it. You're paralyzed. Someone offers you the ability to basically be a superhuman. You know, not only to just get your legs back, but now you, like, have enhanced strength and everything. You can kind of see, like, then you feel like you owe him, and, you know, you got to do the thing, and all. So, but I, uh, I don't know. But, yeah, I, they were so cute together. I, like, totally forgot about that after, you know. <laughs> you know, God, the, the prom scene. You know, but the that, that, that actually gets me to, to another place, though, of I hate the fact that I feel like I've been dropped in, like, season 10 of an established show. <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, they keep, like, bringing up characters that are like, oh, yeah, so-and-so. And I'm like, who's so-and-so? It's like, uh, I, you know, yeah, we'll all act like we know who she is. Okay, yeah. Because, like, there's the woman um, with Marina. You have the dream powers that, you know, she can, like, mindscapes and stuff and uh, helps try to get Jennifer to control her powers. And it's like, that's great and all, but who is she? How do you know her? We went to college together. <laughs> Cut her. They act, everybody acts like she's established. It's just, there's so many different things that come up in this season where it feels like, I feel like I'm kind of floundering, you know, like I, I've just, like, fallen into an already established show. And it's like, they're just doing a good job of saying, like, no, Blacklight is operating for years, so there's a lot of baggage. It's cool, and it's cool that they're giving the audience the benefit of the doubt that we're intelligent enough that we can just, like, start piecing it together. Because a lot of shows hold your hands too much. So I know I'm complaining about it, but I'm also saying, like, you know what? It's better to do it this way than to hold my hand too much. Then the show becomes, like, really boring, and I feel like I'm being patronized. Agreed. It's you're absolutely right because it definitely feels like because Black Lightning, of course, is an established character. He's been in Freeland for years, and it feels more of the origin story of Thunder and Lightning than it does Black Lightning at this point. No, no, I, I would definitely agree with that. Getting back to the villains, 
we had the new um, scientist character that we... Dr. Jace. Dr. Jace, thank you, yes. Please, ladies and gentlemen, I only know this because I literally just came off of a week binge of this. I just <laughs> finished the last episode maybe an hour before we started recording. Yeah, she reminds me of um, Lil Frazier. Oh my god, she does. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that the ages had to be wrong, but I still looked her up anyway just to make sure it wasn't the same actress. Because <laughs> I was like, oh my god, is that Lilith from Frasier? <laughs> this is really disturbing. Even her voice kind of like it. How, how badass of a ship would that, would that have been? Oh no, I know. It's, <laughs> like, Lilith just like goes like off the rails like when she and Frasier are broken up and then just decides to be like this meta-human mad scientist. Can I have this now? <laughs> yeah, no. That could be your headcanon. Oh my god, yes. Maybe she just changed her name. And what would be even better is if they brought in Kelsey Grammer the next season. And he could help out, uh, out you know, uh, Jefferson and the family. <laughs> I mean, he is a therapist. I'm listening. <laughs> you know, yeah, Dr. Jace. Like, she is just so evil. <laughs> Such a, not, not evil, not in the evil in the sense of whale. She's so amoral. She doesn't care. She just wants to do whatever, you know, furthers her goal. And if people die or people get hurt or whatever. It's not even, it's not even for her goals. That was Her ambition was purely, purely the science. That was it. That's That was her whole shtick. That is her goal. That, I mean, that is her goal is the science. I mean, yeah. I mean, it became survival because she didn't want to be taken by the Morakovians. Um, that's the right country, right? I always get confused because there's, like, the two DC, like, bad countries. Like, one's the movie and the other one's the Kaznians. And I'm like, wait a minute. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, no, Kaznia was Supergirl, Markovia's. And it's funny, too, because Markovia, as soon as they said in Black Lightning, I'm like, why does that sound so familiar? And then I played my, I've been playing my new, my DCUO game, Clarion, the witch boy, he grew up in Limbo Town, which is in Markovia. Ah. So I'm like, oh, look at you. Look at the game trying to, trying to blend in there. Look at you. <laughs> is Markovia a real place? No, no, it's a made-up country. Okay, it sounded so real. Yeah, see, that's why DC feels okay to make them the villains all the time, because they're not calling out a real country. But apparently they've they've established, though, Markovia is right in that kind of like ukrainian Romania region. I mean, it's not a real country. But it's kind of a real country. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kaznia is the same way. That's the other made-up DC villain country. And it's like, it's also like a former Soviet, you know, kind of thing. But at least we're not calling out the Russians directly. <laughs> yeah. I just such a cold, evil person. And uh, I just thought she'd do a really good job. It's good what I like to see in my scientists. You have one that is a cold, calculated B-word. And they have the scientist who is all heart and preserving of life. And those two cannot exist in the same body, but they have to exist in the same lab. They have to. <laughs> and again, it gets back to the realism of it. The government's going to find some scientist that doesn't care because that's what they, you know, they want to weaponize these people with powers. And so, it, again, it was like a terrifying but actually probably very real thing of the kind of scientists that can you know develop like the atom bomb or you know you know biological weapons or whatever i mean those scientists exist that like they don't care about the repercussions they just want to do the science yeah. so what do you think about dr jace overall they just do they do villains so 
so well for black lightning um i just i feel like they do put a lot of thought and just like you guys said like i love the fact that i mean her conviction is pure in what is like it's as said for the science like she's all about it like we'll accomplish it by whatever means necessary um and and at the end of the day like her goal is like you know think of what it could mean if like we solve this issue even if we have to kill like 20 kids to do it it could save millions of people potentially. And so it's, it, you, it does kind of leave you with a little bit of conflict when you start thinking in terms of like, you know, what, what we hear out of Spock and the needs of the many are greater than the needs of the one kind of thing. And so it does kind of leave this weird kind of gray area where we know she's a bad guy, but at the same time, I'm sitting here going, but she has like a purpose. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I mean, it, it, it's like, I mean, the Nazis did the same thing. They experimented on humans and they basically said, you know, this is to learn more about science. And, and I mean, as scary as it is, as horrible as it is, the, the not um, furthered medical science to a huge degree. You know, uh, because of the things that they did, the horrible things they did to people to find out, well, heck, what are the limits to, you know, like uh, breathing and like, you know, so if we just put you in water, how long can you survive? And let's time it, you know, and stuff like learn lots of things about the human body because of that. But it's still horrifying. It's still, you know, like, right, right. It's one of those where it's like, I would never want history to repeat right. itself in any way for that. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, but we did some, um, yeah, no. And I, I think, and at the same time, like she's a survivor, like she, her, like no matter what she, she's very good at finding a reason why she has worth, why she's important and why she needs to be kept around, whether it's through the ASA or with Tobias or even if it was the Markovians, she's just like, no, like I'm, I'm smart. And I'm the only person who could figure this problem out for you outside of the good guy scientist who could do this, but she's never going to work. Um, so I, I just, I, I did like the way that she was written in, in many, many ways. Cause there's a lot of layers to the character. Well, and the one thing where I think that she has a point is that Lynn, Lynn was going to wait until all the kids potentially died to try to find a way to save all of them. Where it's like, it's better to sacrifice half to save half. And it's one of those things that you can never know for sure, because maybe if Lynn had had more time, she would have been able to save them all. But it was one of those interesting, you know, arguments where I feel like at least had a point of, you know, Lynn would have risked everything to save all. For sure. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, Jace was just like, you know, I'm going to save some. And that's the important thing, you know. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was it was interesting watching that uh, that fight, because I feel like at least there Jace had a point. Uh, that wasn't just like horrible. It was like, oh well, yeah, actually, you know, if you can save some of them, and they would have died anyway. And Dr. J's tried her best to be, even though it seemed like real, real catty, but trying to be friendly, trying to be uh, cordial about it. Like even going as, uh, when uh, when Agent Dude needed to move the pods and went to Jace. Like I hate to admit this, but I'm gonna need Stewart. She's brilliant. And you could, and you could tell I said that. Then they get into the room. I told them we needed you. You're brilliant. I said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's always looking for a way to turn things to her advantage and, you know, make herself out to be, you know, more important or whatever, just to gain more, you know, more power. I mean, again, I don't even think it's really power, Jess. 
like you said, survival. My my favorite scene from from the interaction was when Jace was with Whale after Whale got her out and working on the pod kids. Jace had a one on one, and he's like, and this wasn't even uh, a romantic thing. It was a calculation. It's like, look, here's the thing. You need me. I'm smart. I'm smarter than you. What? What'd you say? Like, uh, no, it's not an insult. It's just a fact. I have to live with that. I'm sorry. But while she is brilliant, well, a survivalist, he survives and she needed that and she wanted it. But well, he's apparently the smartest man in the room or so he says. It was so weird. Like when she made the play to replay her. Yeah. You know, it was just kind of like, you know. You could have me instead, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, she's an assassin or whatever, but like, Cutter seems like a human being, and it's like, Jace just seems like some sort of reptile, right? You know, it's just like, you're only about your own skin, you know, you have no, like, feelings uh, at all. I just thought that was funny, and then Whale's just like, yeah, no. And then we have Agent Odell. Um, that I thought was a much better on the ASA this season. Um, because last season we had the guy, and again, his name escapes me, but, you know, was even spouting stuff like, make America great again! He was just, like, such a one-dimensional, like, you know, villain figure. Whereas Odell is just that, you know, he's just staring people silently. He's got the whole very deadpan thing when he does talk. And he just has this really great way of coming off as sinister, but you have absolutely no idea where he stands on anything. Except, like, when it's, yeah, we're going to push the pod kids because we need to know, you know, what they're capable of and stuff. But it's, like, you know, everything else is, like, and they even showed, you know, how he knew that Jefferson was Black Lightning and everything. He had all the surveillance cameras and everything. But then he never acts on it until the very last scene, even. And so it's, like, it's just kind of funny watching him as he's interacting with Lynn. He knows more. Then Lynn knows that he knows, but he's not doing anything about it. And the whole time, you what the heck is going on with this guy? You know, like, what is his deal? So, I, I, again, I felt like, even though it was a character I didn't like, I felt like he was a really well-done character. And I still don't even know how it's going to shake out in Season 3. The idea of, uh, you know, a metahuman war brewing on the horizon. But I do like the fact of having that sort of shady, shadowy character... You know, as part of the story, I made things a lot more interesting this season. I don't know what it is, but and the actor who played Asian Odell did a fantastic job. And you're right. He was he, he was cold and he was direct. And uh, and my favorite scene was interacting with when he rescued her and, and and Harriet from being from being kidnapped by the Markovians in the grocery store. He's there now in the office and he's on his little golf cart. She just comes up. It's like, are you following me? He's like, I guess a thank you isn't in order for saving your life. Didn't even look up. <laughs> yeah. Still has phone the whole time. <laughs> like, and, and I think it's really because it's a, and you're right. This guy is honestly the complete polar opposite. This guy doesn't really have much of an agenda besides making these metas uh, into, uh, into soldiers as he's already, he, I, I think at first he was one to understand it to, you know, for America replicate it to, to do whatever for the future. Once the Markovians came into the picture, that's when it clicked. All right, no more testing. 
and he he changed his focus where he had direct purpose. It might not even been him. It might have been his upper upper uh, people. But either way, he was the point man, and this was his job. The other guy from last season, he had his own agenda. And to be fair, I really and sadly on a race level, I think that this guy Odell is much better because he. It's not really much. It's easier interaction. Uh, with, with Stewart and Odell, then Stewart with the other guy, that would have been a horrible interaction. He he looked at Freeland in a different way than Odell does. And it could have been just the the job. It could have been their mentality. It could have been their race. I don't really know because I don't really talk to the writers. They never respond. <laughs> <laughs> but but I definitely think that Odell is the was the better choice. And even with this actor, even when we first met him in he was just in or, or season two in the interview he had with Lynn. Just you're lying to me. I don't like liars. They waste my time. And from that moment, it's like, oh, he is going to be a pain, a good pain in the ass for the rest of them. And that's what you need for your secret for your secret agent agency. You you that's the guy. That's for me. That's the guy now. That. Demeanor Odell is the pinnacle of it's not Trevor from Argus. No, that's not him. He's not the pinnacle anymore. It's Odell. I want serious. I want blank. I want cold, deadpan, super secret agent controlling everything. And Odell brings that. Well, and again, it's showing the maturity of the writers because you get these secret agents who in no way blend in. But having a guy that's this sort of like, because even the way he was, I mean, he's always kind of like hunched. You know, he looks like nondescript. Like, if that guy walked by you on the street, you would pay attention to him. Because there's nothing really, like, you know, out of the ordinary about him, right? And he doesn't act in any way that's out of the ordinary or anything. He just seems, like, really kind of, like, withdrawn and mellow. That's who you want <laughs> yes. as, you know, part of a secret organization. <laughs> uh, James, what do you think about Odell? He's so delightfully horrible um because <laughs> he doesn't get like upset about anything it's just kind of like this is the way it's going to be and if you have a problem with that i will restrain you and keep you in this room over here yeah yeah like uh, he's he uh, he he knows who he is within the asa like and i think this is something like that's a common recurring theme i say it a lot um and i it, it again it just speaks to how they write this series where Every character kind of knows who they are. They know what their motivations are, and they're just true to it. They're never really conflicted about it. As far as villains go, like, they're 100% all in for what they are. What I what I like about Odell is while the ASA, obviously, like, from what we saw, at, you know, with season one and what we've seen Jefferson um, have conversations with um, surrogate dad. Um, oh, Gamby. Gamby. What we've seen out of him in having those conversations with Gamby is like, Gamby's like, I did terrible things. Terrible people. I'm now basically spending my life helping you, trying to make up for the mistakes I made working for them. And so we kind of got a little bit of a feeling for that in season one, but we didn't really, like, I didn't feel like it was encaptured very well with, like, the ASA in season one. Like, yeah, he's a bad guy, but he never really established, like, we're straight up 
not great at all. Like we don't have anybody's best intentions. Um, we don't care what the cost is kind of thing. And Odell does that so well where he's just like, where he 100% is like, doesn't matter the cost. I don't care that she's a kid. She's a weapon. And we have enemies that are also using these people as weapons. So we're going to do the same, whether you like it or not. And it was just like, God, he's just so cold. I, what I thought was a great turnaround. And even like, I, I, I remember specifically saying it out loud was like towards the season when like suddenly he's being really nice to Lynn. And I was like, it's a trap. It's a, it's a trap. Like, <laughs> like don't, don't fall for this. And like, she even has a moment. She's like, that was odd. And it's like, yes, it is odd. Don't trust it. You should, you should have somebody look into this or look into it yourself because this is going to end poorly. So yeah, it was just like, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, his characters portrayed in just such a straight, almost like monotone, but like menacing. I didn't think was even possible because um, it's like you listen to Ben Stein talk and it's just like Ben Stein never talk. He never seems like menacing, but this guy's got it. Um, Can I have that now? Well, and the thing is, the actor's got to be really old and he's got that droopy face and everything. And he can be like a, like, like a guy that seems dangerous with the hunched shoulders, the droopy face. He looks old and he's deadpan, but he seems like a, like he's a credible threat. Yeah, and, and I know that actor from many of God's sakes. He was in Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. We oh, remember man. him. And now look, and now he's Agent Odell. What has the service done to this man? <laughs> but, um... <laughs> and then Cutter. I mean, I didn't feel strongly about Cutter herself, really, one way or the other, but I just wanted to use her as a springboard to talk about the fact that the choreography this season has been on point. From from the first one that we talked about, where... Um, Cyanide and the agent, uh, the assistant principal. Yes, uh, they fight. I mean, but then it's like, when she's tracking Khalil and uh, um, Cutter's deal, and she's fighting uh, Black Lightning and Thunder and everything else, like, all the fights this season have been great. Um, even when Khalil is just like, you know, I'm sick of taking, you know, you know, taking this Tobias and he tries to fight Tobias and Tobias just like oh tosses God. him around like a rag doll. That man. Oh, poor Khalil. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Cause that's the thing. They've never shown Tobias's strength before. And I, you know, they'd mentioned that he's like, he doesn't age or, you know, whatever, but I didn't realize he also had super strength. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, this guy is not only dangerous because of how he's got smart and all that. He's dangerous personally too. I think that they have taken the combat in the CW shows up to the next level. Maybe two levels. I, I haven't gotten as excited about fights in any of the other shows. And, and, yeah. the, and for me, the one level that it went to was when Thunder was as Blackbird and they had a hallway fight. Scene. That was also really good, yeah. As soon as I saw as soon as I looked up and saw she was fighting and it goes into the dead pan it goes into the pan going through the hallway, fighting multiple viewers. I'm like, oh, okay, we got some Daredevil up in here. Okay, y'all learned. Y'all learned. <laughs> that was that was a good fight scene for her. Oh, my God, it really showed the athleticism for that actress or whoever that stunt double. I don't care. It was great for the character. <laughs> yeah, she's badass. Yeah. I'm going to tweet her. It's like, you did such a great job. It wasn't a stunt double. We all know. Wink. <laughs> I mean, I like that Cutter wasn't as, you know, um, subservient to whale as cyanide i didn't really feel like she had a whole lot of you know there wasn't a whole lot that was interesting about her to me i i didn't feel like they they did much in the way of her motivations um 
in terms of like being really different from cyanide other than like making her this like romantic interest again with whale where like they had had a past and obviously like there was some sort of mm, we don't mingle very well uh and then coming kind of back to it um and and getting back together uh and which was just like bias hasn't changed you you know that right like he's still the same like nutso psychopath he's always been like <laughs> so whatever didn't work the first time definitely probably isn't gonna work the second time i think cutter's only motivation is money yeah well i think it was money and i think she started to see this into like having power herself being more than just like um you know a merc for him um so it was just like oh if i kind of get in close and then she starts seeing him you know talk to his sister in a painting and she's like okay i might have made a mistake with the cray cray guy right now uh, my wife loses her mind every time she sees that painting and she's like that is an awful painting <laughs> it's, it's not good it's <laughs> So it's it's one of those where I was just like uh like I I did like, um oh, what what was it I I like the way she towards I think it was more towards the end of the season where we did see start seeing a little bit more of kind of her and her motivation cuz she very much like pieces out not I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be subjected to this. And I don't know if we'll actually see Cutter again. It, it did feel a little bit like they kind of ran into that in writing where it was just like, uh, what what purpose are we really serving with the character? Like, she's good enough, not really worth killing her off using Tobias. She's good enough that our heroes aren't going to really kill, kill her. And she's also a good enough kind of assassin that they probably couldn't kill her either. Like, she would probably get away. So we'll just give her a clean exit. Like, you know, still an abusive. I'm out. <laughs> so it's just like, okay. Yeah. Um, Mike, what about you? Did you have any strong feelings about Cutter? I think she was a really cool, a really good villain. And she did grow on me with, uh, with first starting out as just a hit woman. Then, and yeah, when it was found out, like, oh, apparently they have a past. Oh, okay, they have a past. And it turned into a... Uh, relationship actually approved that relationship because Tobias really needs a partner and that kind of guy needs to have a right hand man or a right hand woman he he had cyanide that was gone he tried it with Kal oh we all saw how that ended up and then we and so then here comes uh here comes Cutter and Cutter actually was doing a good job it wasn't until that moment when she cut and left haha and when, to, when when Tobias put her hand on her, and as a strong black woman, no, you don't do that. And she and, and it was on almost instinct. And I give I give her actress props on that. And even the writing team, when she got out of that choke and immediately went for the knife, like that's one instinct because she's a fighter. Two it's instinct because she's she she knows exactly what happens when a man puts her hands on her and what's going to happen next. And Tobias going to sit there like, oh. You cut me and not not even really confrontational like just really actually genuinely asking because I, and from what we've gathered only from this short of between cutter and whale is that they ended things on bad terms and they never discussed it and i think at this moment he's genuinely asking are you going to cut me and that was probably where everything was coming back to coming back to where it was and she didn't want to do it again. She and she she cut out. <laughs> so I don't. I think I would like to see her 
at this moment by herself, I wouldn't want to see her come back. If she gets like hired by the McCurl and starts teaming up or something like him as a quote unquote sinister six type of people, Cutter would definitely be on the team and I would be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she, she did such a great job with the fights. Having her teamed up with other metas would be, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) let's switch over to, uh, our, our family. And uh, let's first talk about sort of our adopted dad with Gamby. Man, Gamby. (laughs) (laughs) I was so worried that they had actually killed him off. Dude, right? Now, see, Mike, it wasn't as bad for you because you just binged it. But for me, having to wait a week. (laughs) I was in that same boat. I was like, "But, but did they kill Raiden? Did they kill Raiden? Because they played it like they killed him. There was no hint that he was alive in that episode. You know, the episode starts out with him getting attacked. He's going into the boom. And I'm like, oh, crap. I mean, especially since they killed off a bunch of characters, you know, a few episodes, you know, in the beginning of the season. I'm like, oh, crap. Are they are they cleaning house with Gamby, too? And, oh, I, I was hurt because... Gamby and the tailor shop and his relationship with Jefferson and the kids. It's just, I don't know. It connects to me in some way that I just really love it all. (laughs) (laughs) But I was really, really worried about that. And again, he is another great actor on the show because I really feel like the, the list for the whole family he does such a great job of, like, having this sort of, like, you know, he's, like, sort of the surrogate father to Jefferson, and he's sort of, like, the surrogate uncle for the kids, and, you know, like, just how much he, you know, wants to protect them and everything, and also, like, the rules he has for working with the ASA and all of that, and it's just, like, I just, I just eat up all of that. Gamby's one of my favorite characters, and I, I was so worried that they had killed him off, and I'm so glad that and even though, you know, I mean, again, he plays a support role like he did in the first season. So there isn't, you know, a whole lot that he did. You know, I mean, he's working on the costume for Jennifer and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I love his interactions with everybody. And I'm not uh, that they were just faking us. So, Mike, I mean, I guess I kind of said that you, you must not have felt anything because you could just binge it. But did you have a moment, even though you could just skip to the next episode? Because I'm watching it. and I'm like, because at that moment, it's like, you know, it is probably about time. It's, it's like that Joe Westlow was like, yeah, it's about time. It, they would do this. They would kill him off. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, it's like I, Gamby is definitely the white, like you can't, we can't kill him. We love him too much. And even after that first attempt, they had the audacity to do it with Jennifer when she's going crazy and Gamby's there and Gamby emotionless with burns on the second. I'm like, what are you doing? Do not put this that Jennifer killed Gaby. Do not put this so close to the end of the season. CW, you're going to kill my soul. And luckily he made a recovery. I'm like, (gasps) oh, we can't kill white Joe. (laughs) You know, it still amazes me that Joe is still alive in season five. (laughs) It's amazing, everybody. We don't know why, but we love it. But but we're still questioning it. Because him and Gamby are both breaking the lovable father tropes. Right. <laughs> it's But they're still here. He, he, like, yeah, you just expect them to die because that's what happens. The mentor dies and the hero, like, decides to press on even harder because my, you know, my mentor died. He is great. It's, uh, I, I've, when he, when he did 
fake his death. Spoiler alert. And but and he went basically super secret agent mode. I love that. I think I would have loved to have more like maybe one if if we had more episodes. A full episode of Gamby really doing his secret agent job and trying to figure out who we, who was trying to kill him. Because at this moment, I still don't know. I'm guessing. What was the Markovia? I was going to guess the Markovia. At moment, like even watching this, like they never explained it and they just moved on. I, I thought they did say at one point that they that they finally realized it was the Markovians because Gamby was involved with the with the metahuman tests and the. You know, anyone they couldn't capture and make part of their group, they were going to kill to add knowledge of the metahumans. Yeah, I can... They, they might have. It was, but it was much later, after all the stuff about trying to find Gamby and everything else. So it was much later in the season that they revealed that. So it seems like it was disconnected because it was after you'd stopped, like, worrying about that because Gamby was back. But it was finally like, oh, oh, that, that's what was going on there. All right. It's like, Gamby's back. We don't give a damn anymore about what else is going on. He's just back. He is just here. Oh, I, what I absolutely loved, though, was that he still, even though he's trying to pretend he's dead and everything, he still couldn't keep away. So he's got, like, the drones following. That's what, that's what really, like, disconnected me, that, uh, we like, the family knew he was gone. But for us as an audience, we didn't have that disconnect that was really needed to show that we were missing Gamby. Because we Gamby was off doing stuff, but he was helping out. If we had one solid episode of Gamby doing secret agent stuff, and then the next one, we move, we continue on, where Jeffress, where, the, where they're in Southland and... Uh, or South Freeland, Gamby just looks on. He's like, oh, what's what's going on? Like, we just need that one full episode of spy stuff to really feel disconnected that Gamby is separated from them and the family really doesn't know. Because when, when Jefferson didn't know, holy crap. Like, I I was split, like, that he's dead. But, oh, wait, Jefferson makes a point. He's a super secret agent guy. Like, he can... Oh, I don't know where to go. Lynn, I'm with you. I'm like, he's dead. He's dead, Jefferson. We got we got to move on. We got to move on. <laughs> I had a really struggled with the South Freeland thing because I was just like, okay, how in the world is Freeland just like a few miles away from the bayou, okay? I mean, it's just like, and there's no part of anything they've ever revealed about Freeland that made it look like a southern city. And suddenly it's like, oh no, in fact, there's a bayou, <laughs> you know, like, just like a few miles south. You know? Like, for for two seasons, have they announced, like, any other close-by city? No, I don't think so, no. Like, I mean, I guess it's in Georgia? Yeah, maybe Georgia... Anywhere in that sort of Louisiana to Georgia line could be any of them. Yeah, and like, and again, as soon as the South Freeland episode came about, my immediate like my immediate reaction was, "Oh, Gotham is across the bay." Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Deliverance Country, just across the river. I mean, how do you not know? It's Freeland, and then it's near, 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 near. I mean, <laughs> like this is. I mean, what is this? Is like Columbus, Darlington. If Darlington was in Lexington, like this is like <laughs> deep. That's that's pretty close, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that only will make sense to people who live in South Carolina. All right, James Gamby. Did did you did you feel pain in your heart? I really did. Um, and like again, they just 
do the writing so well. It was just one of those where, just as you said, I mean, I, I emulate that in so many ways because it was, you know, they they give us the scene, right? And it's just like, boom, Gamby's blown up on fire. He's clearly dead. And so I was. I was just like, oh, no. But but wait, I really and like I'm hitting the, and I was like looking because normally I'm not like like let's spoil some stuff for me. Um, but I was like, no, I need to know. Right, I was looking to see if the actor had announced that he was leaving the show. I looked for that as well. Yeah, I couldn't find anything. So I was just like, all right, well, I, I just I, I don't know. I'm in limbo right now. I just I I'm very I'm, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I you, Black Lightning might have just lost me. I don't know. <laughs> and so and that's the thing is like they even maintain it pretty to the following episode after that because they don't give us like an immediate resolution to it it's just like no we play most of that episode of like no gamby's dead and i was like but, but i really like gamby um so yeah like you i was just like ah why and then yeah we get to the end gamby's well and good <laughs> just shows up and he's like I, I couldn't leave you jefferson i i you know i i had to watch out for you guys and i but i couldn't i had to keep you safe and it, and i love how like that's what gamby's whole motivation is you know jefferson and the family with like their superpowers and being heroes and everything he's you know at the same time like it always comes back to their safety is always his concern and his priority, no matter what. He is, he is, for all intents and purposes, the best to get dad I've I've ever seen next to like Joe West. So it's just like, yeah, no matter what, he's just gonna be there for you. Uh, I I feel I feel bad about doing this, but since we're getting a little bit late here, I want to take the 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 Pierce family as a whole here because there are a couple other side things I want to talk about afterwards. But I think more than anybody. Jennifer and Anissa got the development this season. Because Jefferson, I, I think Jefferson found his place in the first season. This season was about Jennifer coming to terms with her powers. And it was about Anissa deciding that she didn't need to play by her father's rules all the time. And straighted me at the beginning. Because <laughs> you know, it was all, eh, I want to go to school. Even though I blow stuff up. And it'll become really obvious really quickly. But, eh. I want to go to school. <laughs> it's just like, you know, and then when she's Khalil, I'm just like, oh God, why? You know, cause I'm still thinking like Khalil is playing her or whatever, you know? Uh, so I was kind of frustrated by it, but as we sort of progress through the season, as they run away together, you know, as she has to, you know, basically be in Sil's mind as he dies, which how horrific is that? And, you know, comes to terms with, I'm, I'm going to embrace these powers now, and I'm going to do this. I liked all of that arc. Now, I felt like the resolution at the end with Whale could have been a little stronger, because I feel almost like it was kind of rushed. But I appreciated the journey, especially in the second half of this. I liked that. And I, I really liked how Anissa is like, I'm going to protect people, and... You know, if I should do it as just, like, a random citizen in a hoodie, that's fine. But, you know, I'm going to do things that aren't necessarily legal or on the up and up, um, you know, but I'm going to make sure that people are safe and that, you know, the right people, you know, get the money. You're doing more of, like, a Robin Hood kind of thing. Like, hey, these drug dealers get this money. I'll take their money and give it to, you know, a clinic that needs the money or, you know, to the church and stuff like that. So... Not that I necessarily agree with her choice, but I at least understand where she's coming from and something's got to be done about it and choosing sort of a more gray area that Jefferson doesn't 
you know, doesn't go into. And I thought, again, a very mature writing because it doesn't get into Lynn, Jennifer, can Anissa and I have the room? <laughs> you know, it's just like the, it's just like the Oliver Queen, like solution to everything. I love that. It's kind of like Jefferson's like, all right, we're going to set rules. And it's just like, we never go out alone. You know, we never, you know, and it's again, he's wanting to protect his daughters and he realizes that they're adult and they do their own thing, but at least make sure that you're smart. And so I, I again, I love the maturity in this show. And I think that, um, you know, both of the directions they took the kids in worked really well. Um, Mike, what, what do you think about the Pierce family? You're right. Anissa and Jennifer definitely. This is Black Lightning in and of itself is their origin story. Black Lightning is really just a dad. Just no, no, no. They're gonna get the spotlight. Just come in for the five minutes to save the world. But no, this is their story. Well, the first season, you know, I felt like it was more Jefferson's story, just because it was about him taking the mantle back on and realizing that the city needed Black Lightning. But yeah, now it's kind of like he's back. There isn't a whole lot for him to develop, at least not now, because he's back in that good place. And now it's time to focus on the kids. Yeah, and the the family has gone through the struggle and it's not the normal family struggle it's lynn's lynn lost people lost those kids during that failure of an experiment from jace uh and she had to deal with that she had to deal with repercussions of actually being the boss and being in charge of these kids for their well-being and she failed so she and and in her and multiple times she's had conversations with jennifer that jennifer reminds her of the pod kids that jennifer could in in one of those pods so she's treating those pods like her kids as a mother would and when she lost them, it's like she she broke down. To be fair, ever since she broke down, like I thought we were going to actually have to talk about Lynn's drinking problem because it was getting severe. Mm. And I a little glass of rosé after before bed, I do it too. Or a little old and rare whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, and then you have Je- then you have with, with losing being principal, having to be under this this white principal who's not getting it. I. I- I, I want to table that as its own discussion. That's something I was going to, that was one of the three things I wanted to bring out after we talked about the family. But yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I know, man. I was waiting for that too. Uh, but in the struggle of possibly getting it back and it's like, and then he made the old adult decision or superhero decision to not do it. And then, and then, oh my God. And then of course, Lala coming back from bringing in all this past struggle, like, holy crap. Like Jefferson just went through a big of it. And then you bring in Jennifer being with Khalil, trying to develop her powers. Try, and, and I have to say, Jennifer's struggle of trying to learn it, trying to adapt it. I understand she's the Captain Marvel of Black Lightning right now. She could do anything. But seeing this was the was really the most realistic superhero that I've really can come can think of after all my time watching the CW shows or any of the other ones is just the struggle of this child trying to understand her powers and trying to understand she just wants to go to school. Let me go to school, kids. I go to the mall, hang out with this bad boy, and I'm done. Yeah, see, I understand the desire. I felt like her, like, being like, I just want to, you know, like, I felt like she should have been smart enough to realize that even though that's what she wanted, she couldn't. Constantly complaining about how mom and dad won't let her go to school, because I'm like, you know what's going to happen, (laughs) you know, you know, and, and when, especially when they're taking kids with powers and putting them in pods, 
you really want to know you have power. Jennifer was just really just being the teenage kid and just really f- just forgetting everything else about that. She didn't want to be weird. She didn't care about being weird. She wanted to go back to a level of normalcy, and that's what she was fighting for. Ignorance of, hey, did you just not see your father just fight some guy on the road? Like, you just – come on. This, let's think about this process, Jennifer. Let's think about this. And then Anissa, God bless her, uh, trying to go with relationships, trying to now work on the job, and trying to also figure out, like – I don't even think she really needed to figure out. She exactly knew what she wanted to do, but it was against – it was against her father's quote-unquote code where she – oh, my God, when she was just waving to the crowd and he's just going, what are you doing? We ain't, we ain't waving you. We, we need to go. We, it's like, no, we're here for the people. It's okay. We're here to inspire. And that's and that's Anissa's role. And then now we have this whole Grace Choi thing going out. It's like, okay. I'm inv- I am invested. That was really weird, and I have no idea what's going on there. <laughs> I'm in, I don't know what's going on either, but I am 110% invested, and I am with Anissa. I'll go I'll Google search, like, we'll find her. Find her, Harriet. But the Pierce family altogether was, if I ever have to look at another family dynamic of superheroes or with kids in school or something, I always, I will, I will have to put Jeff, uh, to put the Pierce family on that pedestal and look at everyone else and go, look at them, look at this family, learn from them. I think I said last season, and of course it's cut. It this this has kind of a skeezy vibe. Learned about Cosby and how he behaves, but but you know, just just put Cosby aside. And just think about the show. They're like the Huxtables of superheroes, right? I mean, because it's like it's such a wholesome family. Like they have problems. They work them out in a mature manner. And it's just like, I'm still like amazed that this is a CW show. I'm never going to get over that because they are so mature about how they handle problems and resolve them. And in the end of the day, they all love each other. And we're never going to have a scene where, you know, Jennifer's just like, you're not my parents anymore. And just like storms off like Oliver and his mom. Yeah, I mean the 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 brilliant when Jennifer did leave with Khalil, like that sunk that that sunk into my soul. It's like Jennifer, what are you doing? And the whole then that oh, oh, oh the best thing that came out of that Lynn with the shotgun. Holy crap! Yes, dude, I got I got goosebumps. Oh, goosebumps! Like she is. We're going solo, folks. We're going solo. <laughs> It's like you and Anissa go in different places. I'm going. I was like, wait, wait. One of us should back you up. I, we don't need it. We'll search better by ourselves. <laughs> you know, name the gun. That's the only thing that would have made it. They're like, Vera and I here will take care. This is my backup. And she you know? Making that joke later on this season too. She's like, like yeah, like Lynn. She's got like okay, yeah, we got this good. But no, but but Lynn, when Jennifer did leave or when she ran away, like. Watching Lynn go through all of that, I never, ever, like, the performance that woman did, it it shook me. Not as much, not as much as Killian losing the spine, but that shook me on another level, on another level. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I agree with you. They sold parents who have no clue what's happened to their kid, and their kid could be face down in a ditch somewhere. They got that. And, and, and yeah, I, I totally bought it. And again, that's why this season has been so compelling is they have done like some really like they, they, they've made sure to get 
situations and social aspects and things into the show and and, and the actors are doing such a great job selling it too um so yeah i i yeah with this season and um i still think that this is probably the best show that berlanti's putting out james what about you what did what do you feel about uh, the pierces this season yeah i mean i agree with a lot of the points made i i do feel like a lot of the focus was definitely for jefferson uh, like mike was saying where like it was a lot more focused around like the family dynamic in terms of like what's going on with anissa and um and like these new powers and all that, I, I I'm I'm kind of with you. Initially, I was just like, oh, she's just an annoying teenager. And I actually figured something out. Part of why she was bugging me, I have a coworker who is almost exactly like that character in real life, like attitude wise and everything. So I was just like, oh, I deal with it in the show, and then I deal with it every day. Uh, but, um, no, I thought it was I thought it was really well told in terms of like that coming of age kind of thing. Like we never really get experience seeing Jefferson struggle with like learning his powers. Like we get glimpses and some like flashbacks and things like that. But again, like nothing really concrete of like how his struggle works. So we kind of get that experience with her. Whereas like her older sister, uh, you know, she, she comes into her powers pretty well. Um, I mean, granted, her powers won't, you know, cause a nuclear explosion that could destroy. Uh, so it's a little easier to deal with that. Uh, but yeah, I thought I thought it was it eventually it got really interesting. I like the actress that they brought in to play like the therapist, like, like the, the therapist to her and everything. Uh, most of them I saw her, I was like, it's the lady from Mad TV. Like I have the weird, most benign attachments to like actors where I'm like, I remember you from like the 90s and early 2000s. And I just I I felt like she was just really well done in terms of like how she uh, therapeutically like put her through things. And a lot of it was the kind of stuff that having gone through like therapy when I was a kid, it's a lot of the same stuff you get told by a therapist and by psychologists where it's like compartmentalizing things, you know, appropriately, like when when you have the mental fortitude and capacity or when you've grown a little bit more and kind of thought about it to come back to it. So I thought that was really dynamic. I did like the fact that, you know, we, we do see like the dynamic of the, the elder sister, like trying just like that to, to live life. Like I can be a hero and I can have a normal life. Um, and the dynamic of like her, <laughs> the rest of her family being like, there's nothing normal about our life. That's not a possibility, but no matter like how many, no, you know, haters are going to hate. So no matter what, she was like, no, I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to have this. I'm really interested to see where things are going to go for her in her search for, you know, her significant other and that whole dynamic because, you know, they kind of left that in this weird, wide open, like, what, what is this, um, kind of world. And so we're, again, we're along for the ride along with the character where we don't really know anything more than she. And so it's kind of interesting to like go through that struggle with her of just like, okay, well the, the gal you're into is a shapeshifter and we don't know if she's actually a gal or some sort of weird monster that's eating things. We no idea. Yeah. I'm almost wondering if it's like, because we saw the, 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 man we saw her and we saw the animal and i'm wondering if it's almost like those three somehow got merged somehow into one being and they like mer and they switch between and she doesn't you know she was taking like the pills to have like some you know she ran out or whatever yeah but we'll see yeah i mean maybe she's just a shapeshifter maybe it is like there's actually three different beings inhabiting one space um yeah these are the things that reading uh, lots of comics and watching lots of superhero TV make me think about. <laughs> <laughs>
But yeah, Lynn, Lynn was probably one of the most dynamically wonderful characters this season for me. Like we get to see her like really into her scientist thing, which we kind of get hints of in season one, but like we don't really see her do her job kind of thing. It's only a couple of stints where it's like, oh, she looks at a couple of things and she's like, yeah, Jefferson, your DNA is weird. And, <laughs> and then our, our daughter's like got these powers. So now she's weird. And I'm very conflicted about this whole like I live with superheroes thing. I don't know what to do about it. She, she obviously doesn't know what's happened with her brother. Right, right. So we see her go like even further down the rabbit hole in season two, uh, just as Mike said, like we see her go down this very serious path of like alcoholism. And I am a little disappointed um, that like it wasn't really addressed more um, as far as like the family or somebody <laughs> like Lynn, you're drinking a lot. We're really concerned or anything like that, because I mean, I don't want I didn't want it to get like too dramatic uh, because like like we definitely don't want the I don't want the show to turn into like your just standard drama kind of thing um, where it's like gets very soap opera uh, soap opera ish but it's definitely something like should have been noticeable or at some point somebody should have caught um, and definitely been like hey we need to have like a small intervention moment here and like come back to, to earth with it well to be fair, they only have a 16-episode season, so some of those things, I think, might get, like, crushed out. They might have the idea for it, but they're like, crap, we don't have the room for that because we stung so, so that might be... Right, yeah. right. But yeah, no, like, as you guys said, like, she picks up that shotgun, and it's just like, like, like... Are, are you guys serious right now? We don't need superheroes. You just need Lynn. That's all you need. Uh, Say hello to my little friend. Yeah, it was just it, it was interesting to see like like she she very much turns into a hero just like her family. Uh, you know, she doesn't have the powers, but she has the mental fortitude to do what's right. And if that means I got to pull out a shotgun and blow a few bad guys, but do that. Um, so I really appreciated it. Teeing up on that um, idea for the season, um, I wanted to talk about two different things. Um, the first one, I guess. I'll bring up is um the whole idea of the um principal coming into um what's called garfield high school where jefferson used to be the principal and you felt like that storyline was going to go somewhere and i felt like it really kind of fizzled out midway through the season but again it's the societal commentary of here you have jefferson who's very much Part of the community and very much someone who's interested in furthering the community and working with people to make sure that, you know, kids get the education that they need. Is this the season where we see Jefferson like staying like really late after school for the one kid to like, you know, do like the lessons or was that last season? That was last season. He's st- he yeah, this season he stayed after and that's when Lala came by. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Jefferson, you, you feel that. You feel a man, and then you get this guy that, you know, gets put there by the school board, and he's about, okay, let's put the metal detectors, you know, at the school entrances, and he basically treats the kids like they're all, you know, uh, delinquent slash borderline criminal. And, you know, you get the sort of frisson of, you know, he's an outsider, you know, he is white in a predominantly black school and all that going on as well. And you get the sort of, you know, of, you know, are you just creating the problem that you're supposed to be solving by alienating these kids? And, um, you know, I like the fact that the show, even though it depicts him in an overall negative light, never makes him a mustache twirling villain. 
Where he's like, yes, <laughs> I hate these black kids. I am going to do bad things to them. <laughs> because I think that he's like a lot of real guys. Because, you know, he has the whole speech to Jefferson where he's like, hey, you know, like I came from a poor family. I was a drug addict or whatever, you know, and all this stuff of, you know, just because I'm white doesn't mean that I didn't have it hard and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of people do feel that way of, you know, hey, you know, like, my is no worse than yours, and, you know, and then you get into the situation of, you know, but yeah, but your skin color is such that people make assumptions about you that they don't make about me and stuff like that, and and they, they, they never go to a point where this is resolved, because in real life, those issues are resolved, you know, that's still societal you know, uh, issues that continue. And so I, I liked that whole dynamic and how they were playing with it. Um, you know, him coming to with Jennifer when she just wanted to have like the, you know, the, 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 the wreath for Khalil, the, whatever you call it, the, not vigil, but I mean, I guess Memorial Memorial's better. Yeah. Right. Like, like, yeah, some sort of a marker for Khalil in the school. Uh, you know, like, again, I feel like this is another example of the show, like, really, like, understanding, like, the world that we live in. And, but then, like, the second half of the season was almost like, yeah, about now. <laughs> so, you know, we don't even see Jefferson as a teacher that much. You know, again, it, it's something that can continue on into the following season, but I was kind of disappointed that there, it, it really was just there to make the societal commentary, and they didn't f feed it into, like, the ongoing story that well, I felt. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, Mike, what did you think about uh, that whole aspect of it? I, I honestly felt that the resolution in, uh, was when Jefferson was at the school board meeting and he realized that he needed to be Black Lightning more than the principal. And at that moment, he gave his push for Lowry to stay. And at that moment, uh, I was like, all right, close book. Lowry's principal. Accounts. Let's go ahead and handle some metas. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, it depends on whether or not they want Jefferson's civilian identity to be, like, a strong part of the show or not. Because you're right, if they're just going to focus on Jefferson as Black Lightning or at home, it really doesn't matter that much. And, you know, it's something that they can ignore. I just, although you're right, though, that was a great moment because of the fact that Jefferson needed some maturity there, too. Because that is the one point, you know, that Jefferson... As himself, you know, like as the visible principal, as to calm the kids and everything, he was missing when Khalil came. Now, it was because he was there as Black Lightning, but nobody knows that. And so that's the thing. He had to come to the realization that, you know, it's an important thing for him. And so then, yeah, maybe it is better to have the guy who can be there all the time, even if he doesn't agree with the guy. You know, then then to to be you know to to do something and then have to be gone when the kids really need him. Yeah, and going to I'm not even gonna say a predominant, but I mean we definitely had like a lar larger the of a class was white. We never had the dichotomy of our principal who was actually our teacher and got promoted to uh to to be in principal. I mean he was a white guy and he was a great dude. Never really had a dichotomy that was represented here in the show, but sure enough, even when uh, when Napier came in and was breaking Jefferson down this information, and as soon as Jefferson found oh, it's a white dude, I was in the same boat. I'm like, oh, dude, you cannot have a white dude come into a predominant black school. This isn't going to work. And, and that's just my gut initial reaction. And 
people say that's a racial thing or not. It's like, uh, well, I mean, it's a shoe fits, I guess. I don't know. But it's that is a true dichotomy that Jefferson even wanted to make sure it was present. Like, yes, this is a guy who is having to do students that he can't really connect with. This it, to me is like this really isn't a school for him. But sure enough, he came in. And sure enough, the place that Jefferson made Garfield into the safe haven for because black kids only have really two have, only have a couple of choices: the treats, they can get an education, or they can go to the NBA or, M, or NFL. Those are our three three guidelines there. Those are our our roads. And Jefferson tried to make a school that was for the promoting the 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 athlete the athletic department as well. But it was a, a place where it was the students didn't need the streets, even though the streets were calling them every single day. The, the metal detectors coming in, the zero tolerance policy, that those, and those were a strong indi- uh, indication of what Lowry was about. And being a pencil pusher, yeah, definitely. That was definitely his thing. But his goal as principal, especially a school that just had a meta quote-unquote shooting, just had a meta infiltrate it and hurt students, hurt faculty. I mean, I'm sorry. I can't really fault Lowry for going straight to the metal detectors, even though that's not the spirit of Garfield High. Right. Well, and that's the thing, because, I mean, it's like he's looking at trying to take care of a security issue. And so looking at it from that way, you can totally see what's going on. He wants to make sure that nobody gets hurt. And again, that's why I feel like, you know, even though he was portrayed, I don't think he was meant to be a villain in, in the true sense, because I think that he did think that he was doing good and that he was trying trying to help people and he thought that being strict like that would be helpful now the counter argument of course is the fact that in an environment going to push a lot of kids to the street because they're just going to feel like it's too harsh and that he doesn't care or whatever and kids who would have been you know more on board with jefferson they're they're gonna like just ditch school and and you know do their own thing but you know at the end of the day i mean yeah i mean it's certainly not a black and white you know, stark thing where you can say like, yes, this was good or this was evil. It was something he made a choice that's going to have consequences for the kids and, you know, and for the, the, the morale. Cool. But, you know, it's more likely to be safe. Agreed. And, and to be fair, I mean, Lowry to me was presented as that. He was presented as the culture of today. Garfield in of itself was kind of like this utopia. And once and because and because Pierce, because of Black Lightning, because Pierce was not there, this is the repercussion. And he manned up and took it because he definitely wrong. And the board wasn't wrong. It was just how they definitely presented it was a little bit harsh. But I mean, hell, that's that's a boss employee relationship. But when but with Lowry coming in, Lowry took the destroyed the utopia by bringing the reality to the school and the reality of how not just Lowry, but how the world recognizes this kind of dysfunction at a school with that tight security. And with Lowry talking about that, he did that. It's about his past. Like, to be fair, that was and I don't even that was actually good for the writers because that kind of I'm and I'm going to say is that kind of that's not that I'm going to go with narcissism just because it's in my head right now. But your parents did drugs. You definitely ate dog food does not give you any type of leeway that you are the lower of these kids. 
these kids are going through a struggle. You went through a struggle. As you should be, and I've had the struggle as well. But the, and what you're supposed to do as a person of education is you do not treat the kids like how treated or how you thought you were being treated or anyway you rise above. You don't treat these kids the same way. Like oh I I ate dirt. These kids are better off. It's not about that. It's about providing a better way for them. You went through a struggle. Don't let those kids go through it either. Because when he suspe- when he expelled that student, it's like, well, you're expelling them to protect the school. What happens after they leave the school? Do you care about that? And that's where the education process is supposed to go. Like you care about them in the school, but you also are supposed to care about them kind of out of the school as well. Because if you're going to expel from this education, from this safe haven. It's it that's on you and your soul because now they're on the street that wanted them, and now you have to be and like Jefferson said, you have to be afraid of what's of that rep of well he he worried it better but afraid of that repercussion. Um, James, any thoughts on um, Lowry uh, being principal? Uh, I thought. I thought he was represented in a really interesting capacity um, in terms of it's something I'm just not experienced with. Like I grew up in small town, Montana and predominantly white is putting it light. Like it's, it's like all white uh, where I grew up. Like my high school there, there were, we had like one, one girl who was Latina and that was pretty much the spice of life in our wow, class. She made it up north. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, well, and that's the thing is like each, and I hate to say it, it was like cast below me had like one or two like Mexican kids, and that was it. And so like I, I have no experience with it. So it was kind of interesting to watch this from an outsider's view and talk to like people who um, you know come from bigger backgrounds, who are people of color. And like, what is their perception of these things? And so I thought it was uh, definitely like at, at the point with all, all of the, the self-education I've done and talking to, um, you know, generally like what we see in the, the social climate that we're in right now and whatnot, that they definitely represented him as kind of an aggressive figure where he comes in. And, and I do. I think he had the purest of intentions um, in terms of like what he uh, but. I, I also understood like what Jefferson was trying to tell him is like, you, you have to understand like what you're representing. Like you're a white guy coming into a predominantly black school and then you're putting in, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're putting in uh, these safety mechanics that are really kind of a threat to the black community in terms of having uh, metal detectors and, th- and, and, you know, drug dogs and all this kind of stuff. Like these, you have to understand our culture, something that, black people are terrified of like we we don't know what to expect kind of thing so it was interesting uh to to see that purview represented and to see both of them kind of address the points and i did really like the way that jefferson was brought into it where you know he was kind of you know kicked out of his position bitter about it um and kind of in a position of like there's nothing else i can do and then later on he's given that opportunity it's like you want your job back like you could get your job back and then somebody else gives him an outsider's like you you really need to think about this like are you really indeed what is best for this school um because yeah these things did happen on your watch because you weren't here because subliminally you were out bro so it was like <laughs> At the same time, going, 
you know, he's, he's doing the best with what he can, but I, I did love so many of the moments like where, where they do address that and how things can be blown up in this really interesting space. You know, we see a moment over what happened with Khalil, you know, kind of get this dressing down and it's this, and, and I can understand like what his motivation was. Like, I'm, I'm just trying to control the situation and not let this like get way up and turn into a bigger problem for everybody. For him, he was addressing it as what he thought was a safety concern. Um, and I did appreciate the conversation she has with him of like, this is why we're threatened. This is why it's a problem. Um, but the fact, like we do see that kind of stuff, like it ended recorded on a phone and some of the context is lost and it hits social media and it goes viral and it trends. And now you have the, fo- the forum of public opinion um, around those things rather than anybody who was there, anybody who is, you know was staff going, we kind of understand what the situation was or anything like that. So I, I yeah, I wasn't threatened by him. Um, but at the same time, like I was very apprehensive every single time he was on screen where I was like, I just know about this guy. I just feel like if I was in his shoes, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes at all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like going into that kind of job, like you, you want to be a problem, know where you're going. Like, and I understand challenging yourself, but at the same time, there's a challenge and then there's, Oh, this is way above my head. And I give Lowry that kind of respect that, all right, dude, you got the balls to do this? Good luck. I will. I, I recognize your gumption and courage, but that doesn't mean that you're going to survive. And and ultimately, he, he kind of did, but that's because someone was a superhero. But yeah, well, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he was a white guy that had fear being in a black school, and he over... He made it too much, right? You know, he he cracked down too hard. You know, even though he'd probably never admit it to himself, as in kind of like, uh, you know, a situation where things could go badly for him, and so he tried to control things too much. And in, in that way, he's pushing the kids further away and making the situation worse, even though he's better. There, of course, would have been a better way if he is a person who is, because of his background, he wanted to go by the books. That's that is his that's his prayer that's his bible is going by that school handbook and students refused it the easier way that could have been handled and we and we've had those kind of uh things in our schools as well and yes it is against the school handbook but, but even discussing it with the people who play it up and with the student body, they agreed. We, we came to terms. It's like we wanted to stay up. It's like, look, it's against the student handbook, but here's what we'll do. You will give you will give you guys. We got the week. There's another school in my district that got like, but we got the week because that's our our, our principal was cool like that. So we got a week of that of that being up, and then it was gone. Lowry won. Lowry at that moment, he's. The new guy, he has to have a show of, and his show of force could have been a moment of mercy and allow it to stay up for a certain amount of time. But yeah, because of how his power struggle is going by the book, and he needs to assert himself, he went this route. And yeah, it went bad. And even going this route, there was no saving grace. 
punishing Jennifer, punishing the student body, suspension, expulsion, write-ups. It doesn't matter. Those are always going to end up bad. And you're going to look and you're going to look at it. It's like you did the right thing off of the school off the school book. But what you did also was lose face. And it wasn't Jefferson who caused it because he was easily whipped. Oh, this looks like a job for the principal. And I'm and that one was like, oh, as a, as a teacher, you kind of want to help out the principal in a matter. But Jefferson, multiple times, even if it was in a confrontation state, it's on him. He tried to help Lowry ease into it, show mercy. But Lowry wanted none of it because he wanted to show a force. And this is the route Lowry went. And going against a predominant black school with those students, Jennifer did exactly what every other black kid would have done. Probably not as strong, but kudos, writers. But but that's exactly the route that it would have gone. And like even watching every moment of it was true. I had no sense of fantasy whatsoever. None of it being scripted. I was it was like I could have been watching CCTV from a high. Exactly. the That's exactly the route I would have seen. And and good job on the writers for for producing that kind of uh, of storytelling, because wow, because because it brings that reality to the show that these writers, directors, the producers did such a fantastic job on this. It's wow, as Nathan says, how is this on CW? I mean, like you know, CW. I expect to you know be able to call out you know uh, racial issues. Nowhere near this mature. <laughs> Nowhere, nowhere near this real to life. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to have to move on from this one. But uh, another thing where it isn't so much that it was dropped because it came in later in the season, but I guess it's more of I thought it would go somewhere and it really didn't, is the return of Lala. You know, right. Well, yeah, I mean, first that was shocking, right? Because we thought he was finally gone, gone. And then he comes back the episodes. But... We have this sort of build-up to, oh, Lala realizes that Whale's the guy. He's going to go after Whale. He's going to kill Whale. That's his purpose. And then he gets to Whale, and it's just like uh, he's easily defeated and nothing really happens. I don't know if that was just they wanted to bring the actor back or whatever, but I felt really disappointed by that because I thought that we were going to get something and maybe they're setting up something for season three with Lala. I, I don't know. I it just didn't work for me at all. Um, James, what about you? Did you have sort of similar thoughts about, about what they did with Lala? Yeah, it was, I don't know. It's a little awkward and weird yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out of, out of everything. It was just like, uh, Oh, he, he's, back okay okay and at least they explained it and showed the dude with all the tanks where he brings people back right right and the fact that he's like bringing back like weird like possums and stuff like that just to be like i'm just pushing myself further i was like dude you're just bringing back a possum like that shouldn't anything uh, i was like and if that possum gets hit again are you just gonna revive it like him like is that what you just do now um yeah it was at just, least we know where they come from now that's true it's true uh it was just really his storyline was kind of bizarre and he by the end hits this weird like neutral territory where he's not really a good guy he's not really a bad guy he's just like i'm just looking out for freeland too um but i'm willing to shoot people and i was like oh okay um Tobias and I have. (laughs) (laughs) 
Right. Uh, and so it was just, I don't know. I don't know. How, I'm still in a lost place with him where I'm, I don't really know how to feel about the character. And I don't really know where his place is other than know what his motivation was. But now, like, it's like, nope, Tobias is out of the way for now. Um, and so it's like, so now what's his motivation? Like, now what does he do? Where's his place and what kind of use does he serve, if any at all? So. I don't know. And it, it was like bizarre with the whole like these, you know, the ghosts of those he's killed haunting him, which I was just like, he's killed a lot of people, like a whole lot of people. Um, so how is it like more of them having come? We get that moment where Tobias has yet another secret code word <laughs> or phrase to like bring up the tattoos when I was like, I was like. So let me get this right. We have a character whose only motivation is like, I'm going to kill Tobias. But he can't like almost every there is just something. So I'm like, how many more catchphrases does he have to like use against Lala? <laughs> so I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't I don't feel like there's much of a place for the character, but uh, maybe they'll prove us wrong. Uh, Mike, what do you think about Lala's return? It was it was shoehorned. It was heavily shoehorned. And I will give it that it wasn't black lightning really heavy. It was an episode that brought more of a hit, brought more of a backstory between Lala and Jefferson's past because they grew up together, or, or and whatever, and we at least finally figured out what happened to Earl. But Lala was definitely born. like there was no indication whatsoever, no hints from even the first half of the season that anything about Lala, anything about this Lazarus uh, Lazarus bath, and or or even Tobias still able to know like secret latin words so lala come in was definitely shoehorned and all it really did more was ask it, it asked brought more questions than answers because who the hell is tall black and lanky who, who's gruff well uh well or tobias's uh sister is she in the tank? Who's the big lady in the in the tank? Like you're looking at it, you're thinking like you have these three other bodies that are doing nothing. But here comes Tattoo Man. Which, by the way, the fact that he came. Thank you, Tobias. Thank you. Whoa! I felt. Oh my god! I could have danced in my chair. I'm like, oh my god! He dropped the name as all the tattoos come popping up. Like, <gasps> ooh, that's. So I am really hoping that because we've we brought Lala back. You know, screw it. I don't, I don't see him. Lactavius back. <laughs> I gotta call him by some stupid ass. La, la, la. I hate that name so much, <laughs> but that's a black thing. Uh, mm. But that it's having him come back, and I think he is, of course, still alive. He just passed out from all the pain uh, from the tattoos. I do hope that he comes back and tries to get the one hundred back. Because mm-hmm. Lala, if anything, he went. That that is his community. That is his town. So even if he is a gangbanger, he's a gangbanger who does have a moral code that he protects this town. When remember, he killed his mm-hmm. own, or was it nephew? He he. Yeah, I can't remember. Whatever, I yeah. can't remember. But he killed him over the woman, and they're both on his body. Like you, you, like I, I'm pretty. I'm. I can't remember if he actually shot Lawanda or not. I thought that was like a, because it was kind of like his word. It's on him, but he has a code that 
the 100 was supposed to follow. And of course, if you don't, you you end up. But that's how that's how feeling rolls. So Lala coming the next season to take over the 100 to bring them direction. That's where I kind of want because now with Tobias gone, there's a hole. Even with the so-called Markovian War coming, that's on the meta side. With Black Lightning, there's the meta, and then there's free to be the catalyst for Freeland itself. And I think it's going to be Lala's return with the 100. The last thing that I wanted to talk about that's just a development in the is how did you guys feel about Jefferson revealing his secret identity to uh, Henderson? Mike, let's start with you. It was logical. It, it had to be done. It's those two go way back. Ever since that reveal, when Harrison found out, that was that broke that friendship. And throughout this entire season, I give Henderson so much credit. I don't even remember Jefferson making an effort to go to Henderson. They just happened to be there, but it's always been Henderson stepping up. And it might have been doing just his job, but Henderson did that. He didn't have to do it. He did it, one, because it is, you know, how much everything meant to Jefferson about Tobias, about Gamby. Like, like Henderson did that. And Jefferson noticed that. And he had, and honestly, at that moment, what else can he, can Henderson do that you need to just go ahead and just bring him into the fold? I mean, there was nothing else. And so at that moment, Jefferson revealing everything to him. And Henderson, at that moment, like... I completely get why he was completely – he's still pissed. He says because he's believing in his job, he leaves in the badge, and he's having to handle with this vigilante that happens to be his best friend. Then here comes the sh- the, the clothing, the tailor shop. Here comes Gamby still alive. Here comes a secret layer like, dude, you got the – I'm like, that's an accurate reaction. That's accurate. <laughs> well, and here's the best part, though. In every other one of these Berlanti shows, being lied to is the worst sin. You know, like, <laughs> Felicity broke off her engagement to Oliver because he didn't tell her about the kid. Mom of the kid made him promise not to tell anyone or she wouldn't let him have access. And then it's like, oh, my God, you lied to me. How dare you? It doesn't matter that you were under all this, you know, duress, you know, and you wanted to tell me and whatever. And so, you know, in this, it's like, yeah, of course he's mad. His best friend lied to him for years and didn't tell him about this whole other life you know, that he had and that, you know, how he had to deal with as a cop and he didn't know the whole situation. But it wasn't like he was just like, you know what, Jefferson, we're through. He was, he, he, he handled it maturely. He realized Black Lightning was a necessary thing for Freeland and he realized that Jefferson was his friend. And so even though he was upset about it, he was with him. So, I, I, again, it's a CW show and I don't understand. <laughs> Um, James, what did you think about that? Um, yeah, I. Okay, sorry, I mentioned Gamby, and then my brain like went and decided to focus <laughs> on that. Um, so, so yeah, no, I, I definitely like. I think it was necessary. Um, and I, and I do love that moment. Um, in terms of like, because because it is, it's a little bit of a betrayal of friendship in, in his eyes, where it's just like, so. All this time, I've been putting in all this work trying to hunt you, of all people, down. My neighbor, my friend, and 
like now I'm just hearing about this. And so like, so it, it just makes sense in, in how everything panned out. Um, and I felt like they did draw it out for, for a decent enough period of time in terms of like how long he was kind of angry about it. Not really willing to like come around to like, okay, like, well, we're back to being friends. Like they carried that on for a long enough period of like, no, he needed time to think on it and figure out like kind of how he felt. And even then, once they finally came to resolution, like he hadn't even really fully had like as much time as he probably wanted, but he did come to terms of acceptance and everything. So it's kind of nice now. Um, I think it definitely helps in the story progression as far as uh, Jefferson has to work with now, because now it's like, it's just, it's one more ally um, to be able to have and to utilize on his side of things. So I'm excited to see where that kind of ends up. Yeah, and I mean, in addition to the fact that it was maturely handled, I thought, I, I think that it was just, I mean, so that, that way we can kind of move things forward so that Jefferson doesn't always have to do the, well, I'm going to drop some information for the police over here and, you know, go through all those things and sort of seeing them interact with each other while Jefferson's being Black Lightning and, you know, Inspector Henderson's there with him and they can do some of that banter and whatnot. So um, I feel like from a storytelling standpoint and from the show, it's a good move. Um, If they want to, they can always bring in, like, a new antagonistic cop or whatever who doesn't know, you know, who Jefferson is. But, uh, but yeah, I, I like this a lot better so that they can just be open about it and they don't have to waste time with voice filters to talk to him and dropping information for him and all that kind of stuff. The final thing I wanted to talk about is the ending. And I was kind of surprised to uh, that Whale was captured. He's being put in a hole where his uh, strength won't uh, won't let him, you know, he, he's, he's, he's denied his strength and he's basically in solitary confinement. But then we have the interesting moment where Agent Odell goes to the room and we've got the pods. Khalil is in there. Dude. (laughs) So, reactions. (laughs) Um, James, let's start with you. So, reactions. Man. So, how, like, went about the capture of Tobias Whale. Like, I felt like there was a lot of really big buildup. And then, in all honesty, I was actually really kind of let down with the final fight. It just felt, it didn't feel like Tobias, like, put in any. Like, anytime we've seen him uh, fight Jefferson before, like, he, he puts up a lot more of a show. Um, you know, he... he he, he holds his own in his own kind of way. Um, and in this case, like we just see a young daughter who's like newly into her powers show up and like zap fry the hell out of him. And then dad shows up, zap fries the hell out of him. And then we're just done. And I was just like, wait, wait, that's, that's it. Like, that's the conclusion. That's all we get. Like, there's not even like, we see Jefferson, like a bit of a beating or anything, or like see his daughter, like, uh, you know, like get get a little bit of a beating and then like that's like even further motivation for jefferson to just put the beat down on him like nothing Uh, so i was i honestly was just let down with that um i thought the reveal with um the 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 guy from the asa showing up at the end and being like it, it just like i love they're having that family moment 
And like everything seems and somehow nobody noticed him walk right through their front door into the living room, like not even out of peripheral vision. That's what I'm saying. He's so nondescript that he can even break into your house. You know what it reminds me of? He, like he is the epitome of what Drax was trying for in, right. in the Avengers movie where he's just like, I, I've mastered the art of standing so still that I seem invisible. And I'm like, no, that guy's doing that. You're not doing that. That guy's doing that. Cause it was just like, and I was legitimately questioning. I was like, how long was he standing there? And nobody just noticed him. So I, I thought that was interesting. And I, I think it was an interesting twist into what, what we're in season three and like how that's going to develop. Cause it, it very much po- points us in a direction of like, we're going to get out of Freeland. We're going to, we're going to be, ex- maybe we're going to get out a little more out of Freeland. We're going to be seeing a lot more um, in the world around Freeland. Um, and yeah, I mean, for that aspect of things, I'm excited to see more of um, both sisters again, coming into their own, the family, like really functioning as this like superhero trifecta kind of that is going to show us. And yeah, the reveal of Khalil as a pod kid was really like, I didn't expect it. I really didn't. Cause like they had done such a good job. Right? I was just like, Khalil's dead. All right. Spines ripped out. And like, he's just, he's got nothing left. Okay. Like we're, cause it gave her the motivation she needed to like, kind of come into her own and go after Tobias. And then I thought it was, and done. then yeah, it's like, no, he's a pod kid. So is he going to be like a goodish pod kid or a, he have a memory of her? Will he just be like a blank slate? I don't know. So I am I am really excited about kind of those two ending reveals and, and where they're going to go with it. Yeah, I suspect he'll be used as leverage to get her to comply. We'll, we'll see. Um, Mike, how, what did you how, what, what did you think about the ending? The Tobias whale capture was a little what did feel a little mm-hmm. flat because I, I'm not sure if there was enough sufficient evidence to to put Tobias away at the apartment. So, however, which way I'm okay with that. Uh, I think at that point it probably was the, S- uh, the ASA just going, okay, look, we have something bigger going on that we can't have. Let's just go. He's a metahuman. He did bad stuff. Let's lock him away in in the pit. Yeah, because I, I, remember, yeah, it wasn't a, like a regular prison that he was put in. That was an ASA facility. So I don't think due process, you know, happened there. I think they were just like, here's a hole. We're going to put you there. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, my thing with the fight was that with how powerful they made Tobias earlier in the season, Jefferson was able to throw him around with his powers way too. Like, the whole, like, thing of just, like, oh, we can just pick him up and just, you know, throw him around and whatever. I just felt like he should have been able to, like, resist or something and, and put up a little bit of a fight there. Or use that freaking harpoon gun. Where was that <laughs> harpoon gun? <laughs> 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 you're good because <laughs> now i want the harpoon gun back uh, i have to agree that uh, asian odell does it better than try and c- combine a picture and just have drax with that with that with him doing that saying and uh, asian odell just comes behind him is like how's it going it's like oh oh i didn't see him i didn't see him oh i'm so sorry <laughs> um and i think he was standing there for a while because i mean he lived there he's like this was a very touchy moment i'm happy to be a part of it by the way, you uh, you burnt the potatoes, but it's okay. I uh, I made you a new batch. 
<laughs> exactly. He's actually been into stuff and they still didn't notice. Next him. season, I just want them to have a conversation. And then he and then OJ Odell is just in the background. He just walks by and just does stuff. He's just doing things in the background. And it's like the camera's really cut really tight. Like that. Is there something back there? And then it just cuts Asian Odell being where he needs to be. At one point, he just walks between two of them having a conversation. They don't even <laughs> notice. They just keep going. <laughs> even better, even the kids can, like, transport him to one of the other Earths. And so we just see him randomly show up in, like, the Flash or Arrow. Oh, my God, it's Cannon! <laughs> He's just, like, suddenly standing there. And, we're, and they're just like... Who's that guy? And he's just like, that doesn't matter. And they're like, how long has he been? I'm here for, our, I don't know, the last two days. <laughs> he just looks at Oliver. You're a terrible mayor. <laughs> he's, he's been there through Oliver's entire mayoral campaign. That, that's the crossover. That's how, because Asian Odell finds that, finds that, me, that, that medic, that pod kid teleports to other earths and just scopes out Arrow, the Arrowverse just scopes it out and it goes back to Freeland. We have a situation. There's other Earths and there are these two guys. He's going to be the resolution to the crisis on infinite Earths. Yes! <laughs> He's just going to like show up like out of the corner of some room or something. And uh, whoever the villain is, whether it's the anti-monitor or whatever, he's just going to be like, we've heard just about enough of you. And just like put like some <laughs> machine on him or whatever kills yes. him. <laughs> uh, and then, but <laughs> Where did you come from? <laughs> I've been here all the whole That's time. That's the she's the only one who teleports by. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, but then, yeah, like the reveal by watch one by one. First, it was the guy who can get people to tell the truth, and then it was the airbender. I'm just gonna call it that. And then, last but not least, Khalil, I 100% didn't expect it because I because I, I agree with James. I thought we were done. I thought he did exactly what he needed to do, and he and the kid was a good actor. I absolutely love Khalil, but uh, 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 what? Because that's when my eyes just bulged out, like, huh? And then this, then it, just, then it just ends. I'm like, um, no, come back, please, answers now. <laughs> but having Khalil come back, that's going to be such a di- a new dynamic. Because I'm just not sure how Jen's emotions are going to feel for that. Yeah, I mean that's the same thing with me. I, I I was disappointed by the by the the ending with Tobias because I felt like he had been built up as such a threat that I felt like at least Jefferson or Jennifer would defeat him that easily. But you know it is what it is. I did like the fact that the ASA just threw him in a hole. <laughs> I thought that was great. That so okay. Well, he is captured, and that's great. That it's like no dude, because his whole life, you know, always finding like dirt or whatever, and like always being able to weasel out of situations. But then when he's confronted by an organization that doesn't care about playing things fair, it's just like, yeah, we think you're a threat. Goodbye. You know. So I thought that that was like enough with like you know, um, um, putting him away. Um, and of course, I, I'm really looking forward to this idea of the meta war that's coming and what they're going to do with that and how they're going to develop that. Because, you know, I'm a little worried because CW budgets, you know, like Jean has to stay in human form and Supergirl almost 99.9% of the time. So how are they going to do a meta war in Black Lightning? But we'll see. 
you know, in a way it made me angry because it was just like, I feel like they've been jerking me around in the show. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I hate that because they, again, they convinced me Khalil was dead. I know I thought, okay, this is the reason why they had him reform at the beginning of the season and, you know, the change of heart and everything is because this is, you know, Jen's story and they need to propel Jen forward and then to have him still alive. It's just, ow, I feel so manipulated, but they were so cute together. So I'm okay. (laughs) So we'll see. Like, like the bit when they're running away and she cuts his hair because it's like, yeah, no. All right, so we've talked enough about Black Lightning, I think. Um, Why don't we um, all say uh, our final thoughts on the season as a whole and then give our shout-outs or our sign-outs. So, Mike, why don't we start with you? Once again, Black Lightning, you you brought out the black heritage in me. That doesn't really come out a lot because I bought black card a long time ago. I don't play b-ball very well, and I'm not even allowed to say b-ball, so I'm bringing rules. Uh, this show, as Nathan said, is so mature for it being a superhero TV show, but it's it. Every other show has tried to do it where it just produces a show and produces a family, produces a story that just so happened to be powerful. They had powers. Here's powers. And then the family here, it's family, then the powers. And they, they've done such a, uh, an amazing way to write it, to produce it, to deliver it. That uh, I don't even, have they actually been approved for a season three yet, or are we still in yes. limbo? They have. No, it is renewed for season three. Yeah. Thank you, CW. Thank you. This almost makes up for Vampire Diaries, but not close. And Black Lightning is definitely a show that I I cannot stress enough. Folks can't pass it up. They can't really skip this. It's not in the the scheme of you, you're not really into black culture. I'm not into black culture. I don't even really wasn't a big fan of black lightning, but sure enough, this show has changed that in my aspect and amazing ride. And it's such an amazing uh, thing to watch as this family grow. And as this, as the powers grow within them as well. So it keeps that my nerdum here and also brings that reality setting to a black culture side that happens right now that I'm kind of understanding. And this show as and a big shout out to blackish as well, kind of fills that void for me. Uh, I, I'm now excited for season three and this, this show just needs to keep going. Uh, I have to really quickly give a big shout out to Reverend Holt, uh, who was actually a big takeaway for me for this season. Cause I'm not a church goer. I'm not, but dear Lord in heaven, I really felt those. I felt those speeches. And the fact, I thought the man, I thought the dude died. Coma? He's in a wheelchair? Like, uh-uh. We don't do that over here on our church. No, no. I'm like, oh, okay. It's that guy. And the actor playing him. I apologize I don't know his name, but I know him from every other movie and television show he's in. But yes, that is the actor to play that. He was born for this role. He's doing a fantastic job. And I can't wait to see Reverend Holt again uh, next season. And I'm almost choking up because seriously, that dude almost died. Like, mm-hmm. I thought he died. Like, whoo, Cutter, you mean. Yeah, I know. I, I was a little worried that Khalil was going to kill him, too. And thankfully that didn't happen. But I thought he was going to get pushed there. That, that, was a str- that, was, that was a struggle bus, too. Uh, but, of course, you can find me over on Twitter, at this is Trex and all that stuff. Well, I, I'm fun. He's a dinosaur. Rawr. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, James, what are your final thoughts on uh, Black Lightning? Man, it's just still so good. Um, it's it is like i mean i think it's it's some of the best and most dynamic writing out of the cw shows it does take on such a much more uh mature stance of things and it it, it is yet to get to a point of repetitive like um situational like we see in arrow where it's just like can you guys give us the room uh we don't get a lot of that which is fantastic <laughs> we don't see a lot of repetition of a certain uh style of situation um What's the word I'm looking for? Um, resolution. Uh, just to see that. I mean, we we do see a lot of very classic things, and, and they do keep it well-grounded. I think the fact that um, stylistically for the series, uh, you know, they, they kept with being less procedural and a lot more serious. It, it helps keep me a lot more connected. It's one of the things, like, I'm struggling with. Um, in, it, I, I have struggled with in, like, seasons of other CW shows where it is more procedural and less serialized, and we go off on these weird tangents and i think that's what's always been frustrating with those whereas like we never go off on a weird tangent it's never like something innocuous that's just like oh that's not important to the story really um we we stay on point all the time and i i'd love to see that cross uh to the other shows but uh it's not i just know that's it's not uh so uh yeah i'm excited for season three i really hope they just keep up the pace um you know this is this is where we kind of see a break in what's very standard with berlanti shows where season's like eh, okay now season one for this show was fantastic and then season two just kept going and rolling with that steam so i really want to see season three continue rolling with the same steam um and see what we get for jefferson and family what we see we see out of uh you know the police uh chief and everything (laughs) (coughs) hell i even want to see if we get something else with tobias even if it's just like him sitting in a cell (laughs) being miserable mush on a plate and just like talking to his sister uh without a painting that's fine i'm okay with that uh because they'll write it super well (laughs) he'll he'll make a picture of her out of his mashed potatoes (laughs) Yeah, and talk to it. You'll see her in his toast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim. So why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find yeah, you? Yeah. Um, somebody can find me, of course, on uh, the Twitters uh, at Roman on the Rocks. You can also find me uh, through my Facebook link uh, for for Roman on the Rocks as well. Uh, so I, it's pretty much everywhere, uh, Roman on the Rocks. And uh, yeah, uh, hopefully good things will be coming soon. And uh, one, appreciate being on the cast. And uh, thank you, good people, for listening to us rant on and on about this stuff. Yeah, and thank you and Mike for uh, being part of the show. Anytime. Yeah, as for me, uh, I'll just say that uh, Black Lightning Season 2, it does continue the same um, you know, high quality from the first season. Um, I do think it's the best of the Berlanti series on the CW. Uh, I know I've hammered the word mature home a lot, but it, it really is. I mean, it's it, these are adults. Though, like, Jennifer is a slightly younger person. She kind of brings that teen element into it. Everyone else in this show acts like an adult. They might be horrible, evil adults. But they're adults, and you um, sort of see why they're acting the way they're acting. You never sort of throw your hands up and go, oh, this is stupid, no one would behave that way, which I've done in probably every other Berlanti CW show at least you know a few times um, and so yeah I mean and it's bringing in a level of reality and social comment that we're not seeing 
um, on the other DC television shows. Now, you know, Marvel's been doing it with some of their Netflix stuff and some of their other darker stuff, but this is on network television. So I think that that is noteworthy just on, you know, just on that fact that I feel like this is almost Netflix level on network television so you know kudos to them on that and um i love the pierce family i love gamby um whale is such a deep one um and so i'm really looking forward to seeing how this whole um war that morcovia is going to have with the metahumans and trying to weaponize them uh how that's going to play out be involved and how he's going to come back into things even though he's in jail right now, and how he's going to try to spin this into a play for power. So um, we'll see. But yeah, I, I totally recommend this show for uh, for anyone who, who at all thinks it's interesting to them. And that's the end of our Black Lightning episode. We really enjoyed doing it, and we'd like to know what you thought of it, too. And you can do that in a bunch of different ways. You can email us at everything at 42cast.com. You can tweet to us at at 42cast. You can go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can leave us a message on our website at 42cast.com, or you can leave us a review on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. I also want to put in a plug for the ESO Patreon at patreon.com slash ESO Network. That is just a way that you can help all the stations on the ESO Network stay on the air. And it also gives you access to exclusive episodes. There's even an episode of the 42 cast on there. There isn't much else for me to talk about. I am going to Chicago TARDIS again this year, but I don't have any information on what panels I'm doing and stuff like that yet. But my focus now is just on getting the podcast back up and running and on a regular schedule. And on that score, I'd like to thank Ben again, because uh, without him, uh, we would still be in the three to four week per episode um, category. And that is just not a place that I want to be at again. So, yeah, that's an end for this week. So join us back next time when Daniel Panabaker will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2019 got a question for the ultimate answer contact us at everything at 42 cast.com theme music is sharper swords by brandon ellis check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com the 42 cast is a proud member of the eso network has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.